We're supposed to be recording the show. Where the fuck are you? I'm in the bunker. Where are you? I'm in the fucking studio, man. Why can't you just fucking get on the conveyor belt and get the fuck over here? <laughs> so much work. <laughs> it's really cold. You walk three fucking feet and you sit down on a chair. The ride lasts a half a second, if not a second at its slowest, and you're here. Oh my god, I'm winded just listening to you talk about it. Oh, you are the fucking worst. You know what I'm gonna do? What? I'm gonna fucking test the bunker while you're there. I've been working on this automated system for the bunker. It's like a biological support system that's automated. Nice. And I'm gonna test it and make sure that I can make it work. See? Look it, now things are working out. Yeah, but what I'm gonna do is make the bunker extremely cold and I wanna see how long it goes before it sets off a warning that you could be suffering from hypothermia. I don't know, man, I'm pretty fat. I give this a go. All right, I'm going to start turning the temperature down. I'm going to have it go until the course of the episode, and we'll see when the warning actually goes off. You know, I'm from Wisconsin, right? I'm a fat Nordic Polish man from Wisconsin. I know. That's why you're a good test subject to use on this. The likelihood of you actually dying from hypothermia is, well, let's just say slim, which is not a word that you're probably used to hearing describe you. I, I am not, and I also just ate another chocolate croissant. So that's my life. If you're too lazy to get on a fucking conveyor belt to get here. Dude, you don't know. You aren't here to see how far that looks. It's really far away. It's really far. You forget that I built this fucking bunker for you, man. Come on. Yeah, I think you forgot a lot of things. I think you forgot where you came from. Okay, uh, you know you shouldn't be smoking crack in the bunker, right? Crack? <laughs> Who has that kind of money? Deep meth. Alright, now I just have to figure out a name for this thing. A name is the whole thing. Right, it's an automated bunker biological support system, so A-B-B-S-S? Yeah, what is that? Abs, I guess? What, what are, what's abs? I guess that's what people who don't have a lot of fat have. Is that Swedish? No, that would be ABBA, and we're definitely not building one of those. No, no, please don't. One was enough. Yeah, I don't like abs, and it's it's technically abs. Do you roll the Well, what do you think? It's an automated bunker, and it has a biological support system to it. So, what what should we even really call that? I don't know, man. You're, you're the fucking idea guy. Jesus, you don't even want to think of a title for something. Why do I even bother with you? I don't know, man. I've been trying to tell you for years. I think it might have something to do with the fact that I don't care if you die because of how useless you are. It's true. Not many people do. Alright, um... Oh, dude. Bunker. Automated. Biological. Support. System. Babs, right? Babs! Yeah! It's a great name! That works, right? We'll give her a female voice for when she talks with you. Yeah. I haven't enabled that stuff yet, but when the AI gets more advanced, you can actually give her commands, and she'll be able to do everything for you. I like that Google thing. Only it'll be better because it's not spying and telling the NSA everything that you're looking at. You know I put one of those in the bunker, right? You know I've also disabled it, and it's actually been me listening to everything that you've been saying and doing. Oh, good. Well, at least somebody is. I'm not doing all this stuff for my health. I just have to tell you, you are the most boring person I've ever met. It's very true. All right, Babs is up and running. Let's get the episode going as well. Have you watched the movie at least? Of course. It was great. What the fuck's going on in that thing? All right, man. We're going to do a little ecological terror with Day of the Animals. Here we go. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. My personal view is that it's nauseating, disgusting, degrading, ghastly, sleazy, 
regard them as disgusting, nasty, horrible, without any kind of merit. I just do not believe that any allegedly cultural activity which strikes at the roots of culture is to be applauded. They represent nothing to my mind enduring, decent or worthwhile. I just do not believe that they contribute anything worthwhile to inflict themselves upon society at large. <laughs> Cinema Psyops with Hort and Matt. Hello and welcome to Cinema PsyOps. I am all alone once again in the studio, but not this week due to health scares or anything even remotely as interesting in that. It is in fact the result of a man so lazy he can't even ride a goddamn conveyor belt into the studio from the bunker. His name is Matt. I feel like you're still not conveying the length of the area in which I would have to travel to said conveyor belt. It's three feet from where you're currently sitting. Three feet. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I think you're wrong. I don't think you know distances, and that's always been a problem for you. I know it is literally three feet. I laid out the bunker, and I built it. I don't think you know distances still. It's it's sad. Look, admit it. You should get help. You're just lazy. You didn't want to show up. You just wanted to sit in the bunker, relax, because you can drink there, and I can't stop you from doing it, other than torturing you with the new Babs system that we're working on here. Mm. You know what? You say tomato, I say tomato. Whatever. (laughs) I say tomato, you say I'm a fucking alcoholic is what you're getting at? (laughs) You say potato, I say vodka. (laughs) I say grapes, you say let's make wine. Not a big wine guy. Oh, to my wife's chagrin. Yeah, it's because, you know, wine is classy and you have none of that i have i have no class that is always just, okay do, do any of us ever like you be you and me definitely don't have any class uh do any of our friends have class like our friends friends i can pretend like i have class you know like i could call it audible at the line at this point in time in my life but i don't actually have any i can pretend but i don't actually have any <laughs> starting to sound like a currently orange skin president don't we <laughs> we pretend like we have class when we need to but we actually have none and no amount of money is going to change it. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's what happens when you're from a shithole country. <laughs> Speaking of the orange-skinned hate chimp, there is a particular character who starts to act like that madman towards the end of this film, and I don't want to spoil it yet, but we're just going to kind of leave that lead out there for people to that, listen to the review. It's so fucking weird. Isn't it? Like, there's some things that were said and done in the movie that feels exactly like things that our current hate chimp of a president would say and do. I know, but not only that, but the person doing it is weird. It's weird to see them doing that. Yeah, it's really a bizarre little piece of film history, and yeah. I I really like Day of the Animals. I'm not going to even pretend like I don't. Um, I, I actually enjoy. I you know when you gave me the DVD and I saw the cover, I'm like, I'm going to hate this, and I did not. So you didn't like the poster? I, like, I love that poster. I I I just got this feeling like I, I I don't know. I was in for something really just kind of a snooze fest. I really thought that, uh, and it wasn't that at all. It was great. It was a great movie. When I picked it, I thought for sure, because I know you and I both enjoy animal attack movies. I mean, I figured you would like it. So I wanted to do something. 
been fun you know, this week. And, and while I love Animal Attack movies, Animal Attack movies are also the easiest to miss. Like, they're very hit or miss. Oh, yeah. Because totally I've seen agree. some Animal Attack movies where I'm like, this is shitty. But this is really, really good. This is a fun movie. I enjoyed myself. I had a great time. There is an amount of movies that were made in a brief period that were the knockoff of Jaws right after Jaws came out. So it's like shortly after the original Jaws came out, there was like this nature run amok group of films that were released in the 70s. And this is right in that time frame, which is made by the same guy, William Girdler, who did Grizzly, which is probably the best of all of the Jaws knockoffs. It's basically Jaws on land as a bear. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> and, he t- and he made this movie pretty much right after that. He made Day of the Animals and Day of the Animals. A lot of people mistakenly confused it as a sequel to Grizzly, justifiably so. But I, I think everything he did in Grizzly, he amped up for Day of the Animals and he kind of like learned what he was going to do and really just kind of made this really interesting and cool flick that I've only ever known one other show that covered it so far. Um, well, actually, no, two because the food chain has done it recently. Uh, that's uh, on our, our home podcast network, Legion Podcast, the food chain. But uh, when I first heard about the film outside the cinema, Bill and Chris covered this and I really dug the movie and I bought that DVD and it was out of print when I bought it. And then not too long ago... I think it was Scorpion releasing released a Blu-ray of it and I bought that and that got yanked out of the stack when I said let's do something fun and it was a successful pull and here we are we're going to be reviewing the movie. And I am of the idea I should have watched the theatrical version right? I watched whatever was on the actual Blu-ray and I think that that might be a little bit extended so you might be a little bit lost on the theatrical version but um, Well because there are only two versions the uh, US TV version and theatrical version. Yeah theatrical is probably the best route to go I think that has the most violent yeah. stuff like that in it. I think so. That's why I went with it. Because the other one was like for US TV. So I'm, I was assuming that that wouldn't be all that great. I forgot that that DVD had the differences to it. So um, yeah, I figured watch the theatrical version. So there's really no wrong way to watch Day of the Animals unless you're doing it with your eyes closed. <laughs> Did you look at your cats differently when you went to bed? Um, I actually talked to my wife when I got done doing the review and told her that after watching the movie, I thought about what if this were to happen to my cats and what if I would have had to have harmed them in a way to defend myself. And I told her, I don't think I could bring myself to do it. I would have to lock them away in a room because I don't think I could actually harm them unless I really felt like my life was threatened. Now, yeah. if a whole bunch of fucking cats are like, you know, like the mountain lions and stuff are coming at me like they're in this film, I guarantee you I'm going to fight for my life because I know me. I know yeah. I want to live. <laughs> but like, That's with, weird. Yeah, but it's like with other people when they talk about like, you know, when their kids becoming zombies, they don't know if they could kill a family member or a loved one or whatever. You know, you struggle with that. And I had that same thought when watching this movie. So it made me feel a little off about animals and I'm always leery of animals that I don't know <laughs> it's much yeah. worse when it's an animal that you know and love and that is a part of your home and your family that makes it that much worse I think that's probably why Cujo yeah. affected me way more than like this typical animal attack type film yeah I was wondering if that was gonna get to you yeah there's a lot of stuff that we need to actually dig into the film so instead of just beating around the bush why don't we take a little break here we'll play a promo for a podcast that has in fact covered day of the animal and when we come back, we'll have a little bit of music that's befitting to Day of the Animals and the trailer. Hey, you like podcasts about food? Well, how about chains? Boy, howdy, are you in luck? <laughs> I'm Cootie. My name is X, and you might know us from the wildly successful Kiss the Goat podcast. But when we're not drinking fine white wine and helling Satan, we're watching animal attack movies. 
holes in the ozone layer. Giant rodents. Packs of wild creatures roaming the streets in search of the most dangerous prey. Humanity. Join us and a special guest animal expert. I'm going to have your health inspector, Badge Grabowski. Hi, I'm Allison. <laughs> I've tried a lot of stuff. You never smashed an ant and smelled it? Every other Thursday on the food chain where nature runs amok and mankind is always on the menu. That's the food chain exclusively on the Legion Podcast Network. Animal attack, bitches! Fuck yeah. Oh, man, it's too slow. Oddly enough, it's really hard to find songs about animal attacks. <laughs> really? Yeah. You'd think everyone would be making one of those. Yeah, but unless you're like looking at music that came from the specific movie or another type of movie, there's various songs about animals and things like that, but I couldn't really find anything that fit the bill. So I just kind of went with whatever had a reference to animals in some way, shape, or form for the songs because fuck it, man. It's Day of the Animals, so let's have a day of music featuring animals yeah. in some way. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else features animals pretty prominently, Matt? What's that? This trailer. Rawr. In the shadows of the tall timber, the creatures of the forest gather, a growing horde of beef, tooth, and claw. This is the Day of the Animals. Struggling for survival in a world gone mad. The hunter becomes the hunted. The Day of the Animals is coming, and there's no place to hide. Rated PG. Okay, now the film opens up with another one of those black screen, white text crawl that gives you kind of an intro to the movie. I didn't feel like writing everything of that down, so I did the normal thing where I took a picture of it with my phone, and now I'm going to read that off the picture. In June 1974, DRSF Sherwood Rowland and Mario Molina of the University of California startled the scientific world with their finding that floral carbon gases used in aerosol spray cans can seriously damage the Earth's protective ozone layer. Thus, potentially dangerous amounts of ultraviolet rays are reaching the surface of our planet, adversely affecting all living things. This motion picture dramatizes what could, all in caps, bold font, and underlined, could happen in the near future if, bold caps, we continue to do nothing to stop this damage to nature's protective shield for life on this planet. Wow. There's all that global warming, am I right? (laughs) Yeah, this film is a little more poignant today than it's been in a while because, you know, maybe a certain idiot should be sitting down in the White House and watching this movie to realize what it is he's doing to the planet. Maybe he'll believe this. Maybe a Fox and Friends plays this for him. Maybe he'll, you know, realize he's fucking the world up. He'll just sit at home. He'll just sit at home, watch it and go, I could train all these animals to do all the jobs that no one else wants to do. I could train them the best. It'd be bigly. It'd be the best. And then I'll get some Russian hookers to pee on a movie for him. Allegedly. That probably most definitely doesn't maybe kind of, but most likely happens. <laughs> the steel dossier becomes more and more real and believable the further into this presidency we get. But enough about politics. We're talking about the day of the animals. Yeah. All right. So after that little blurb that I just 
read off. We get to the title, and the credits are superimposed over top of our titular antagonist, the animals, because this is, in fact, their day. Although they had more than one day. They had several days, but we're going to ignore that. That doesn't matter. They've had many days. It could be Rise of the Animals, I think, would be a better title. <laughs> Probably. After the titular antagonist, we also see a bit of a sun-induced lens flare going over top of things to really drive the point home that the sun's rays is causing something bad going on. And then after about three minutes of this little intro blurb and credits, we come to meet the humans who are the backbone of our story that we'll be following in the plot. And of course, there's a lot of dialogue describing each of them and introducing them. So that becomes our very first clip. Yeah, the survive hike, limited food, no weapon. But in case of an emergency, we do have a food drop. We're going to try and make it without it. If anyone has any second thoughts, the time to back out is now. All right, if there's no objections, the trek starts right now. So let's uh, pick up our gear and kind of hike on over the big birds. Hey, Steve. Hey, Tucker. What kind of goods are you peddling? You're putting fat on there, Chico. Yeah. Now, that ain't good for your heart, especially up here in this thin air. Mm. Come on now, Steve. Ever since you've been up here, I've never seen a group like that. The young kid, his mother, and the Indian, and the cripple, for Christ's sake. What the hell's he doing here? Well, that's Roy Moore, old buddy. NFL All-Pro. Now, if you quit chasing bear around, you'd know that. Besides, we're only going to Sugar Meadow, not over the top of the mountain. It's all downhill for this group. Yeah, but... Will you look at that? I never seen one of them down this low floor. Well, Tucker, I'll see you in two weeks. You just make sure there's a lot of cold beer here when I get back. But I'm not joking now. We've been having all types of accidents up here last week or so, and they just don't seem to stop. So you take that to your mountain. Okay. <laughs> what do you say your last name was? Sandee. Jensen is my name. I'm an advertiser. Ecology. That's why I'm here, you know. Get it firsthand. That's where it's all at today. You know that commercial on TV with the Indian with the tear in his eye? That great? Indians don't cry, you know. Andy smiled. We're having a good time. Came on this trip to try and pull it together again, remember? If you paid more attention to me and a little less to your law office, Frank, we wouldn't need this trip. How you two kids doing? All right. Hey, you don't look like you have much muscle there. How are you going to fist fight those wild animals? I'm stronger than you think, Mr. Buckner. Why don't you two kids get that second chopper? Which one is it? Right over there. Okay, thanks. It's gonna be a wrap trip, Professor. Going for science? The hell with science, Mr. Buckner. I gotta get away once in a while. <laughs> You're traveling pretty heavy for a man that wants to get away. I know, I'm a camera buff. See, my, my hobbies are photography and birds. Figure I'll get my fill of both on this trip. You first. <laughs> thanks, Kimosabi. Kimosabi. <laughs> Silver bullet, huh? Professor, did you get another chopper? Sure. Hey, I know where I've seen you for. Yeah? You're anchor man the evening news, right? That's anchor woman, in case you hadn't noticed the difference, Mr. Buckner. All right, Ms. Marsh. Why don't you ride in a second chop with me? Now, I got a story that just might interest you. I'll bet you have. But you see, I'm on vacation now. This does remind me of a rodeo I covered once, though. I was up to my ears in bull then, too. Bob, this is terrific. Isn't this great? Thanks, Professor. It's gonna be a rough trip. Are you big and bad enough to handle it? John, bad why you wrote the book on it. Come on, get in. Ma. It's gonna be all right, Miss Goodwin. Hell, I hope so. Okay, so two things are readily apparent right from that first clip. One, most of the people going on this trip have no business to be doing any kind of survival backpacking or hiking at, at all. all. At like, all. It would be like if you and me were going out survival backpacking. Now, I have actually done stuff like this in my youth, but I am in no shape to do it now, nor do I have the interest to be doing that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. In our youth, we all did this, but most of us. But, <laughs> yeah, no. Now, now, now that this, I'd be, 
I'd be dead on the first trip up, like first step. Like, I can't make it to a conveyor belt. How am I supposed to do this? <laughs> right. I think Mr. Santee may have a little bit of an idea what's going on. And he felt to me like every time I watched the movie, he felt like he actually is assisting Christopher George's character of Steve as like a sort of backup guide or an additional person to help these people along. He didn't feel to me like he was not meant to be doing this. And I don't know if they were just playing up on Native American stereotypes for this or not. I'm pretty sure that Leslie Nielsen's character was all all about playing up on racial stereotypes for Native Americans, though. Oh, my God, was he ever. <laughs> he references the commercial and then said, but Indians don't cry or something like that. He might as well have said they don't feel pain the way we do and then nudged a white person or some oh, shit like that. It was pretty oh, fucking God. awful. Oh, it's brutal. And then he says he calls him fucking Kimasabi and then starts laughing about silver bullets and stuff. It was like just racist enough to leave it in, but not too racist for me to like cut it out. Like I had to point out how inappropriate and wrong this was. And it's really fitting this week because the Cleveland Indians this week has just announced that they're going to be getting rid of that racist logo that they have. They're, they're yeah. gonna, it's going to be gone soon. Yeah. And that's a good step in the right direction. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> It's really fitting that we have this kind of dialogue and discussion that's happening this week as that actually was announced today as we're recording it. Yes. It, I mean, it was so it's such awesome news to see. Now, if we can just get the Redskins to go ahead and change their fucking name, that'd be great. I almost want to fucking blurt out the name when you say it because it's a racial I know, epitaph. Right? I, I just said it. I, I felt really bad saying it. <laughs> I mean, I, it. How about this? Washington. Now, hopefully the Washington football team will change their name. And here's the other thing, too. He calls the guy Kimosab and he says a few things that are very clearly racial stereotypes, but they're not the real deep down slurs. Like, I think if he were to say some of the other phrases against Indians, I probably would have cut those out. And if I miss them, I'm going to go back and take them out later. So there we go. Yeah, exactly. All right. So with this end of the clip, they all pile into two helicopters so that they can have a hike down the mountain and not have to go up the mountain. So they're starting at the top or as far up as they can go from a, a drop off from a helicopter, which seems like the kind of thing that lazy touristy people would do so they're only walking downhill <laughs> yeah exactly right is there any way we could get a motorized chair to take us down <laughs> or take a ski lift down the mountain so they don't even have to walk yeah, right. down it and get it done in an afternoon that's the other thing that kind of had me interested in this is it's survival hiking so they're going to take in no weapons they're going to be taking in no additional food they have to find what they can on the mountain and in case shit happens and they don't get any food and things go bad there's a place where there'll be a food drop for them and they can go to get that food to survive. So the type of people that are doing this quote unquote survival hiking are not the kind of people that you would really want to take on this. You need some more experienced hikers that just want a guide to be able to see the most uh, beautiful scenery as they're doing this kind of thing, you know, and get some training. Hey, plus, how about pack a fucking gun? <laughs> right. The main guide should at least have some type of a gun, you know? Yeah, right? <laughs> I, I get it. No weapons. It makes sense. But let's face it, the whole survival packing thing that they're doing here and no weapons to protect themselves. The entire thing is just an excuse to have people completely unarmed, trapped on a mountain with animals that are going crazy on people. That's all it is. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah. You're okay. not telling me no, there wasn't some crazy survivalist who wanted to do the survival hike who wasn't going to have a gun in any normal situation like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It turns out they're going to be spending about two weeks on the mountain doing this hiking. So these people are wasting two weeks vacation hiking 
walking down a mountain with a guide and doing this survivalist thing. Fuck that. If I get two weeks of vacation, one week in Vegas, and one week at home to get over the week in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, two weeks of vacation for me, I split up between visiting my family and going to a couple of other places here and there, and that's all I get, so there you go. <laughs> all right, so exactly. as they're doing this uh, helicopter flight, we actually get some really amazing flyover, and I'm assuming it's stock footage of what looks like. And then there's even some really great shots of wildlife that is interspersed with these uh, stock shots of the flyover of the mountain. It's really cut together well, and it makes you believe that these various stock shots may have been actually done for the film. And if they weren't, it looks great. And if they were, they did an amazing job doing these shots. It looks like professional aerial photography. But it's a beautiful scenery. We end up seeing the group hiking through the mountain terrain with a quick shot of a snarling wolf. There's a lot of this stuff where the movie does this where you'll have the group walking and then there'll be a cutaway to uh, an animal that's watching them or like yeah, the, the, the snarls are all of them with just their mouths hanging open. It's pretty creepy. It's kind of like the wolves are, are drooling over a piece of meat or something like that that the trainer has just off screen and then they put the growl over top of it but they do it in such a way that they sync it up that as it opens the mouth and then closes it it works perfectly and there's a couple of times where you can see especially when the dogs show up later those dogs tails are wagging and they're having a good old time wrestling and playing but it doesn't matter because it's an animal attack movie and you're just going to etch a sketch all of that out of your brain and just enjoy it pretty much all right there is a bit of a montage of the hikers moving along and each individual one belly aching about a different thing as they're doing it as if they didn't know what they were getting themselves into and why the fuck are they even doing this i know right oh my god people what the fuck did you think a survivalist week two week vacation was hiking down a mountain right yeah the belly aching is mixed with animals stalking them in what appears to be different species working together. You actually see the hawks almost acting as if they're scouts and they're kind of following the people around and moving around the mountain to look for something. And then they almost look like they're reporting back and then the mountain lions move in to kind of do some reconnaissance footwork or foot soldier work. And then it almost seems like the bears are acting like generals and pushing them along to do this. At least the way that they have it set up to where the shots go because it's it starts with the hawks, then the mountain lions circle in and then the bears are just kind of following behind. Well, probably in this environment the bears are the apex predator so yeah it would be pretty easy for a bear to take down a mountain lion it would take quite a few mountain lions to take down a bear yeah and i mean it, because bears can also for lack of a better word run in packs together so fuck it yeah in a forest such as this fucking bears probably apex predator especially if it's a grizzly because they're fucking mean well and brown bears are pretty fucking mean too and there's plenty of those there's a few grizzlies that's why i make kind of like grizzly is a is a brown bear i bet if our fearless leader is listening to this he's going to tell us everything we need to know about about bears. I don't know if you knew this or not, but Bo is a bear aficionado. Really? Yeah. And he loves animal attack movies too, so he'll probably be listening to this and he's going to have a lot of corrections for us when we say incorrect things about the bear, so. (laughs) You're probably right. Oh, I know. uh, It'll it'll probably happen. But yeah, but always brown bear, like black bears are typically ones you can kind of scare off, you know, they always say, but if you see a brown bear, just fucking hope you're behind something sturdy. (laughs) Yeah, and also grizzlies are on top of that. I think grizzlies are even more, you know, I don't know if they're They're more more aggressive but they're, they're more deadly for sure. So yeah, I can definitely see the bears being the apex predators in, in this army of animals in this region, at least. And at least for the way that the story seems to be going, that seems to be how it is that they may be the ones that are in charge, or at least they bring up the stronger wave of attack the way that this movie yeah. has it set up. All right. They do a quick stop for some food and that leads to our next mini clip. You see something, Mr. Santee? What is it, Santee? I don't know. There's no sound. 
<laughs> Just all Indian medicine man making jokes. Like back in the reservation, eh, Kimisabe? <laughs> my boy! Get your shirt away from my boy! Get him away! I'm okay. I've never seen anything like it. Neither have I. Is that normal? I mean, what just happened? There's no news story here, Miss Anka lady. Now there's nothing to worry about. All right, we still have three miles before we get to the next campsite. Load up. Okay, so now that first attack was essentially just the birds swooping in and then a buzzard gets really close to a boy. Kind of like, hey, I'm here. Fuck you. Well, what this is, is almost like, to use IT terms, it's like a penetration test where they're looking to see and check the defenses of the humans. The animals are seeing what the humans will do to protect themselves. So you have a buzzard move in and the people do nothing and they act in fear of it. So that lets them know that they're prime for an attack and that they're going to be easy prey. I mean, you see that type of mentality happens with wolves. And we'll, we'll get to that when an actual wolf attack happens later in the film. But that's usually how pack mentality attacks work, where you have an omega or a older animal that in the pack or whatever it would be that would be weaker, isn't very fitting in the hierarchy and can't fight his way up. They get sent in as sort of like a, a sacrifice pawn and they do an attack on a group that maybe the wolves aren't used to or the whatever pack mentality animal. And the, so that omega would end up either sacrificing itself to let the rest of them know how tough this uh, pretend food is going to be that they haven't encountered before or if the Omega the very bottom of the rung gets in there and starts doing some serious damage before it gets ran off then they know that you know they have an easy prey and they've got an easy attack and that's kind of what this buzzard thing felt like to me that since they're working in a pack mentality that that's what they're doing is they're doing this for lack of a better term penetration test to see how easily the humans will succumb to being victims to become food and I also think that the buzzard moved into the weakest of the group to see how volatile and if they could provoke the humans into attacking the bird so that that would swoom in the rest of them. Almost like a, a bully that just walks in and spits on somebody to, to get him to shove him or something <laughs> so that all of his friends can come in and beat the guy up, that kind of thing. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. It was really just great to see the bird kind of sitting there. Almost the internal monologue. Like, I'm just sitting next to the kid. Everyone just, this lady's really freaking out. Jesus, lady, the kid smells half dead anyway. He's riddled with <laughs> cancer. Let me just eat him now and get it over with. I mean, it doesn't sound like this kid it's got a great home life right now. Why don't you just let me go ahead and take care of it? You're basically killing him with all of your complaining and whining and your Beverly Hills bullshit. Let me just eat him now, lady, and get it over with. You're smothering the child. Let him live. <laughs> You're smothering the child. Get it over with so we can eat him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So there are buzzards and hawks that are definitely working together, which is pretty fucking terrifying because you have a carrion bird and then another bird of prey. And the yeah. fact that they're even kind of sitting in the same tree together without having a, a falling out or territorial dispute, that alone is horrifying. Like this is the one that freaked me out is thinking of birds fucking like uh, becoming prey and shit like that. Or not prey, uh, hunters of like people because fuck man the one thing you know they can fucking fly <laughs> yeah definitely now I did notice that the guide Steve is telling the news reporter Terry not to worry and I think even when he's saying this to her he knows it's bullshit but the problem is they're stuck on the mountain and all he can do is keep them moving in the right direction to get them down off the mountain and get lifted up from here I think he knows something is up but I think in this case I don't believe that Steve is pulling the mayor type thing that you would get in a Jaws where it's we can't close the beaches it's holiday traffic yeah it's we're stuck here there's no sense in panicking you bunch of lily livered fucking city folks 
folk, I think is what he's trying to do. <laughs> you do what you signed up for. Yeah, I think what he's trying to do is keep them from panicking and because he knows he's going to need them to keep moving. So I think that's what Steve's motivation to not tell them everything and to bullshit them about the animals, you know, even though he seems to know something's not right. Yeah, he knows. Um, you, you can tell with his experience, he knows something's not exactly working out. But at the same time, there is only one way off the mountain, and that's to walk. So it's just a keep it moving type, yeah, situation. He knows. You can tell he knows. Absolutely. Okay, so they cut from this to back at the town, and we are at Murphy's Tavern. The sheriff goes to pet a dog just outside of the tavern that looks like it might be somebody in the town's dog, but that dog actually starts growling at him. This was another one of those low growls where they're just opening the mouth and you just hear this rumbly roar thing yeah. that you were talking that, about. That creeped me out, man, like a lot, just with the dogs with their mouths gaped open. It's just like, um, scary. The trained animals in this are immaculate. The things that they do with the animals yeah. are unbelievable, particularly the stuff with the dogs. However, they got whoever the trainer was that had these dogs trained to act like this did an amazing job. So, yes, they did. Since the dog is growling at him, he then just basically says, easy there, boy, or something like that, and then heads on into the tavern. He orders himself some chili and a beer because hopefully it's the end of his shift because you're not supposed to drink on duty, dude. No, but good God, man, it looks like a hot summer. What are you doing getting chili right now? Yeah, no kidding. And then he sits down to play cards. There is talk of animal attacks being on the rise and how it's been such a busy day, and because that is expository dialogue, and I don't feel like writing it all down, that is also our next clip. Weird day. Sun drills right through you and it ain't even hot. Hey, Tucker. Think the sun's gonna get through all that? Well, let me tell you. We've been catching rainwater in the sieve around here for the past week, ain't we? Well, it ain't over yet. Got a report on a couple bear snake bites. They came right at them. Seven rattlers. Being the way they were bit up. It's weird, huh? God sent a plague down on us because we're just a bunch of no good fellas. We sure are that, Sam. The ozone layer is of profound importance because it protects us from the harmful effects of the sun's radiation. Got a pair of queens here. Oh, 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 listen to this. I've been hearing that ozone crap all day. The Earth's ozone layer was being depleted by a constant release of various chemical wastes in the atmosphere. A White House bullet... Like that Martian attack hoax we heard on the radio a long time ago, ain't it? Yeah, I remember. Maggie hoarded up 12 quarts of garlic dill pickles under her bed just in case they attacked the house. Sam... Listen, a complete report to the nation will be released later on this evening. Although the effect on living organisms is not yet known, people are being advised to remain indoors whenever possible, especially those in high-altitude areas where the sun's rays would be naturally stronger. Reports from all over the world of flooding in will bring you further bulletins on this situation as it continues to develop. Jesus. Weather-wise, David... I told you that sun seemed damn peculiar today. Susie, give me a piece of pineapple pie and dump some ice cream. After this, we actually see the dog that was just growling at the sheriff sitting at the window, almost staring at him like he's trying to claim him for his own, like, I'm going to get you, sucker, kind of deal. Oh, yeah, big time. He's just staring there in the window. And then they crossfade from this to a bright sun to once again drive home the point that the rays may be what's causing this because the ozone layer has been depleted. And then we see the mountains with more hawks swooping around and watching the people with buzzards also following them as the 
hiking humans continue to bellyache. And at one point, the little kid, John, starts tossing rocks out through the woods like a jackass because apparently he's bored and he needs to expend more energy than what hiking is taking from him. Yeah, right. Jesus. Come on, kids, save up. Then we see some more shots of mountain lions implying that they are also stalking the humans now. While hiking, the young boy hears part of the news report about the sun's rays and the ozone layer depletion and then some of the strange effects that are taking place. But because they're up on the mountain, he's not getting very good reception and it kind of goes away. And then his belly aching mother completely ignores him when he tries to tell the nearest adult in a very reasonable way of, hey, something might be going on. But she just bitches and moans about how it's not Beverly Hills and she's not being pampered. That's I mean, she smothers him, smothers him, smothers him, and then ignores him when it's important. She is the worst fucking mother. I don't know. She seems like a pretty typical mother to me. God damn. What? <laughs> you, you okay? Yeah, I'm good. You doing all right? I'm fine. You okay? Yeah. yeah. This, okay. Is, all this, right. is, this is not me working out mother issues, okay? Uh, uh, okay. All right. Sure, sure, sure. It's sure. not. All right. I'm, I'm a very stable person that doesn't have mother issues. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You bet, buddy. All right. So in my notes, I actually did have Santee written up as the other guy, but apparently he is one of the people that paid to come on this vacation. But he seems to know a hell of a lot more about this particular mountain and what to do in this environment than even Steve, the fucking actual guide, is doing. So I don't know <laughs> what the hell's going on with this. So I just referred to him as the other guide. I just assumed that's what he was doing. Uh, I, I thought so too. So Santi ends up actually swooping in to play sort of a surrogate parent with the kid. And he actually distracts the kid from the fact that his mom's a complete and total smothering, ignoring, completely abusive bitch. He basically tells the kid that he can take point and that Santi will then try and keep up with him. This gets the kid getting that whole competitive, I'm going to be more of a man than you thing going and he says will you try and keep up and Santi goes oh I sure will try kid and he's basically saying yeah right you're a fucking lame he's a, yeah he's patronizing them so the kid thinks it's fun well that's what you do to kids you fucking patronize them <laughs> did yeah. I do good court you did fine champ you did really well I'm so Yay! proud of you all right <laughs> yeah you, you patronize them that's how you do it that's how it works yeah, there you go all right so we see more shots of buzzards and hawks in the trees and then we end up seeing that they are still following the hikers and it's pretty obvious that these animals are all around them but nobody in the hiking crew seems to really notice it or pay attention you know they pay absolutely no, no mind to any of these extra animals they have no attention to these extra animals behind the curtain I don't know how much time you've actually spent out in the woods but that's not normal you usually don't see animals yeah you know I've spent enough time to realize that that would be not good I mean like you see two or three hawks within you know five or six hours something's up <laughs> exactly <laughs> Either A, you're around something dead, or B, you're going to be something dead. Yeah, they either expect you to die if there's buzzards circling you, or they have found the smell of death that's on you. So either you're carrying something dead on you (laughs) that they want and they can smell, or you're that thing that they're expecting to die. Pretty much. All right, so the hikers come upon an empty campsite, which is absolutely in no way, shape, or form horrifying to think about why they're still there. They're having so much fun that they end up having this whole entire dialogue about the campsite, and that is our next clip. Well, looks like no one's home. 
imagine somebody going off and just leaving a fire burning like this. It just doesn't seem right. Yeah, it does seem strange. Yeah, they're probably off hunting, fishing, hiking or something. Wonder who they are. Well, whoever they are, they'll be back for long. You know, this whole walking thing is crazy. Would sane people walk all the way to the top of a mountain to set up a tent to walk around some more? Crazy. You'll get used to it, Mom. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow you'll be doing as good as I am. It's okay, son. First day's always the hardest. I'm thinking we'll make camp right over there. They might not like it, our invading their privacy like this. Like it? Why, they're gonna love it. Fun-loving group like us. <laughs> Come on. You know, I think it's best we keep the fire up tonight and close the guard. You really think it's that serious? Well, I don't know. There's something strange in the woods, and I don't know what it is. Well, could you do me a favor, Santi? Could you kind of keep this to yourself for a while? We don't really know what's going on, and, well, these city folks sure wouldn't take much to panic them. Okay, I'll share the watch with you tonight. Wake me at 2.30, and don't worry. Nobody's going to know anything right now. John! John! Stop throwing those rocks! John, you'll get lost, do you hear me? John, if you can't act decent, I'll take you home! John, get back here! You stop throwing rocks or I scalp you. Quiet, Mrs. Gibbon, he'll scalp you. I don't know what I'm doing here anyway. I should be in Beverly Hills where any civilized person would be. Mrs. Goodwin, he's a good boy. All he needs is guidance. You think I don't try? It's not easy being a mother and a father. Mr. Santee, a boy should have a father. He really needs somebody he can talk to. What do I know about the woods and the hiking? You know where his father is right now? At some Beverly Hills cocktail party, pulling off another one of his big deals. The problem is yours, Mrs. Goodwin, not your husband's. You know, when I was a boy, my father couldn't wait to get off the reservation, even change his name to Mr. White. I spent half my life living as Mr. White, and one day I discovered I was really Daniel Santee. Now, my mother spent all that time thinking it was my father's job to bring me up. Don't make the same mistake. Do you know, when I, I left his father, I thought, you know, everything would be easy. We'd, we'd have fun together. But the young is so different today. They want different things. The boy's himself, Mrs. Goodwin. Guide him. Don't force him. Excuse me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, excuse me, might I suggest that we get some sleep? We have a lot of walking to do in the morning. Good idea. Thank you. Want to take a walk in the willows, my little chickadee? Oh, God, that's yes, bad. Yes. Nice kid. Reminds me of a couple I once knew. Yeah, let's just hope he doesn't find any law books to cuddle up with at night. Jesus Christ, that's a bunch of whiny-ass fucking people. Man, there ain't one happy person there. I love how the guy is trying to reconnect with his wife, who he clearly is working hard as a lawyer to support, and yeah. she constantly fucking bickers and belittles and, it, like... And she wants to reconnect, and then every time he tries, she won't let him. She'd rather, like, make him pay. Yeah, she wants to make him suffer for all the times that she felt neglected and unloved. She's lashing out at him. Instead of take all the attention and love he's trying to give now. Right, like, he's like, I remember a couple that was like this once meaning he's really it looks to me like he's really trying to reconnect with her and being like wouldn't you like to you know rekindle some of that while we're on this camping trip and she's like well let's hope he never finds law books to cuddle up to instead like totally shutting the guy down and basically cutting his balls off and stomping on him in front of everybody when he makes this romantic gesture to try and tell her that I remember when we felt that in love once can we get back to that is what he was alluding to yeah and I don't know if you noticed this or not but right after he points out that fire the same Santee takes a look off to the side and notices that a wolf is stalking around the edge of the campsite. And this is in broad daylight, which is completely out of character for wolves. They're nocturnal animals. Everybody should know yeah. something's up here. Yeah, once again, when you see this, this is also bad. There's a lot of this thing that you end up seeing with these types of movies where people notice things and then they pay no mind to it when they should probably tell everybody else, hey, this nocturnal animal's walking around this actual campsite. Maybe we shouldn't, you know, tarry During here the middle of the long. day. Yeah, in the middle of the day when it shouldn't be there, maybe we shouldn't be hanging out. Oh, no, fuck it. It's fine. Grow a pair, will you? Oh, oh, my God. And the Beverly Hills mother. Oh. 
been well, around another deal. I know. Santi's been around this kid for all of 10 minutes, and he's already got him on a better path and acting like a better person. We've been dancing around the issue, but Santi's character is essentially the mystical Native American who has all the answers, is connected with nature, is just a better person than everybody else around him because he's a Native American. But they also kind of invert that because at one point in time, his father was denying who he was. And how much more of a point could they drive home by saying that his father went by the name Mr. White? Jesus. Right? <laughs> Racist. I kind of like what they're doing there where he's like, I found out who I am and now I'm going back and getting back to who I am. Or, you know, to paraphrase what it was that he was talking about. And that he kind of alluded to the fact that his mother essentially let his father do a lot of this kind of stuff with raising him because she didn't know what to do with a boy, quote unquote. And there's nothing that he wished more than she would have taken some interest in that and let him be a part of who he was from her culture or whatever. I can't remember exactly what it was he was alluding to when he said that, but he was basically pointing out that you don't have to be a father. You just have to listen to the kid, pay attention to him and just be a parent. That should be enough if you do the job. Yeah, but no, no, no. Take him on these fucking wilderness adventures and then spend all your time complaining how you have to be mother and father. And so that won't make your son feel like a burden at all. Uh, Well, the kid very clearly is the one that wanted to do this and not her at all. He's just doing this because she does love her son. But yeah, the whole constant belly aching and bitching and moaning about it. She very clearly is telling the kid what a burden he is and he never pays attention. He doesn't listen to her yeah. and she can't handle him and blah, blah, blah. She's all but dropping him off at one of those safe places and leaving him behind. Pretty much. Yeah, right. We have, uh, we have one of those in town, don't we? Like, we're a sanctuary town, aren't we? Or something like that. Not sanctuary, but yeah, pretty much all the fire stations, a bunch of libraries and stuff like that. There are even yeah, you can drop any unwanted kids off around here. There's even gas stations that are marked with those safe places. Yeah, right. What they're supposed to be for is a place where a kid can go to be like, I'm lost. I don't know where my parents are. I don't know what happened. Call somebody. Get me some help. (laughs) They could also be used to drop off a kid you don't want. Yeah. Now, we pointed out that these people are whiny ass pieces of shit that most of them shouldn't even really be in the fucking wilderness at all. I'm rooting for the animals. Right. I actually wrote that in my notes. I wrote, at this point, cannot wait for all of these assholes to die. There's like a handful of people I want to live. I was the same way. Right after this clip, I was like, that you just played. I sat there with, I can't wait for all these animals to I don't who I'm rooting for the animal. I guess you're supposed to root for the animals in this movie. Absolutely. All right, so they start betting down for the night, and then we see that there are some owls that are taking the night watch to watch them. I even have it written down that they are the night shift for this. <laughs> There's a little bit of a tender moment between the real life husband and wife, Suzanne and Christopher George. Suzanne plays the reporter, and Christopher George is playing the main guy, Skye to Steve. Uh, she's curious to kind of know what it is that happened to the campers that are at this abandoned campsite that they're camping next to. They have this sort of getting to know you moment as they discuss that and he tries to reassure that it's nothing to worry about that they might have done this little like walk off to another area and they just got lost in the dark and then they'll be back in the morning or that they'll be fine or something like that. And then they have this more getting to know you chat as they watch the other campers kind of go about their business and get set up. And then we see that they are being watched by a wolf that we kind of hear howl off in the distance. And then a wolf wanders right into camp. And this is what we were talking about earlier. This is how you would kind of see it happen. This would be like the Omega wolf or the bottom of the pack that is maybe the older wolf that's on the way out. That is an easy sacrifice that won't weaken the pack. They send this one in to do the first attack, which it does. He he actually attacks the camper who's constantly bitching about her husband and the law books and his devotion to his job. And it's a pretty vicious attack. The wolf's shaking her around and all over and everything. I even wrote in my notes, fuck yes, yes. Yeah, right. Get him. Burn 
murder. <laughs> wow, I'm really into this. And I wrote in my notes, all the humans must die. And then I wrote, fuck, yeah. she lived. Fuck, it ran off. What the hell? Typically, you know, I'm fighting you on this. I'm like, court, no, 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 man, I'm with you. Fuck these people. Fuck you. Let's go, animals. Go ahead, kill them all. Like I said, there's about a handful of the people, and I'm not going to reveal who they are, but you can kind of tell when you're watching the movie who you personally want to let live and who you wish would yeah. die. And they yeah. kind of divide them up in the later in the film, pretty much how I would want them divided up anyway. <laughs> so, pretty much, yeah. All right, so the wolf, before it gets ran off, actually mauled that woman pretty good. She is alive, but the way that they have her set up, it looks like it bit her up pretty good, and they're doing some administering of first aid. She got bit in the face. She got bit in the hands and the arms. She has some defensive wounds. As the wolf runs off, this sets off a bunch of howls in the distance. It's letting the wolves know that they have a pretty good idea that these people are weak and vulnerable. And then the people end up staring at the victim of this attack. They're all kind of circled around her and looking down at her as they're trying to administer help. And then the camera pulls out and hovers above them off in the distance. The group ends up making a plan to somehow get the injured woman out of the woods as soon as possible. And because this is more expository dialogue, that is also our next clip. All right, now we're going to head directly to the food drop area. So you and Manny, you can take most of the supplies. When you get to the ranger station, they'll call in a chopper and get you on downtown. Great. Now take this map and don't take any shortcuts. Here, take that. You got the matches? Yeah, I got them. Now build a fire every night and sleep sitting up. Keep her very close to you. If you can't, try to find caves to sleep in. Sleep sitting up? Well, you don't think that... He doesn't think anything. Now the animal might have been sick, that's all. You just make it. Remember, don't leave it alone five minutes, okay? I won't. Do as we tell you and keep going, okay? Okay. Uh, you get up to that uh, ranger station. You tell him to send that chopper up and kind of buzz us. Just for the hell of it, all right? Okay. You ready? You're gonna be fine. Be better, okay? I will. Thanks. Frank, she's still pretty weak. Don't push her too hard, okay? I'll take good care of her. I know you will. You two are gonna be all right. Let's go, honey. Bye. Take care. Goodbye, Mandy. All right, let's pack it up. Okay, so this leads to more hiking montages, and at some point we actually see Terry and the other female camper that is left in the group discussing the poor woman that was attacked. They even kind of hint at how there could be some pretty nasty scarring on the cuts on her face from the bites, but that that's why they're trying to get her lifted into town so that they can administer whatever they need to to kind of minimize and or make it so she doesn't get scarred up. It's kind of a bit of a discussion that feels a little bit dated and sexist that they would be concerned about her looks more than her health at this point. <laughs> yeah, right. But then again, I think most people are concerned about scarring when it comes to wounds on the face, you know, for another person. You don't want them to have a scar, you know, on the face. You don't want that to happen. Uh, yeah, come on, man. It's a sign, though. You, you've been through some shit. Take those scars. Fought a wolf. I lived. One of the men actually ends up carrying the pack for the Weiner Hollywood lady, which someone points out is extremely nice. And then she says, Oh, yes, it was. Thank you. She acts like she was entitled to have this happen. Yeah, right. I think it was the football guy, the big football star, even though he's got that limp and he's he's injured in some way. He still decides that he's going to carry that pack for her, which was super yeah. nice of him. And he didn't have to do it. Maybe it was just to get her to shut the fuck up. Uh, probably a little column A, a little column B. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And then the young lad, I think his name is John, asks Steve about that particular attack. And Steve offers absolutely no insight at all. And then Leslie Nielsen's character 
character starts belly aching, and because the crazier Leslie Nielsen starts to act in this film, the more he has to become clips. That is our next clip. <laughs> I'm beginning to think this whole thing is crap. There's no food, no weapons business. Live with nature, ho, 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 ho. Yeah, people have problems in cities. I'm not talking about the city, Sonny. I'm talking about out here where you can die from starvation or be eaten by big teeth when you don't have protection. All right, Mr. Jensen. We survive without weapons. The forest, they'll provide us food. Yeah, I know. You scratch a moss off the rocks. I made a TV commercial about that once. Hey, Jensen, I have to take this. It's better protection. Uh, me, no need spear. Me, mighty warrior. What's the matter? <laughs> Can't you talk plain? Hey, come on. I'm only kidding. You're an Indian. That's nothing to be ashamed of. Come on. I'm just making a little joke, uh, Kimasabi. <laughs> Very funny. No, it's not funny. I'll take it. You don't need a spear, fella. You need a cane. Okay, so here we see Leslie Nielsen's character acting very much like our current president, a horrible fucking racist. And I love Leslie Nielsen, but fuck you, dude. It's kind of hard to watch him like this, isn't it? It really is. I mean, I'm used to Frank Drubbin, you know, and fucking Naked Gun. And And the doctor from Airplane. (laughs) Yeah, I'm used to all that business. I'm not, this is bad. (laughs) The thing is, is he's such a good actor that he actually carries this character really well and he throws himself into the role with complete abandon. He's so good. <laughs> I will say this. I at least was used to, his, uh, I've at least been able to see him in a in a serious, well, Siri-ish type of role where he's not being uh, the goofy guy because he played a character in MASH uh, who was uh, like a, a legit army guy who you know, they had to try to get rid of. So, well, and he actually has played serious roles and he does play the asshole kind of guy pretty well. His whole entire film career up until he met with the Zuckers was very serious, dramatic roles. And it wasn't until he started working with the Zuckers that they used that fact to make him parody work, which he flourished in later in life. And that carried him through the rest of his career. Oh my God. He was amazing at it. Oh yeah. He is impeccable with the comedy because he plays that deadpan serious idiot so well and that's because he plays this horrible, racist, blowhard type of character really well, too. He's just so good at what he does. And he just, like we said, he I, throws I himself into it. I character, but as an actor, he's awesome. He throws himself into everything with such abandon. Like, he just completely disappears into the roles. And you have a hard time distancing him from what you know him best and love him for, which is the comedic stuff. But he's really good at this stuff. Yeah, really good. All right, so after this horrible, racist diatribe that he goes on, we see the wolves stalking around the people as well as a mountain lion that just kind of hops up on top of a rock watching them as they're on the trail and he's right out in the open on a rock that's way above them looking down right in the middle of the day again all animals that don't come out until night that was super creepy that they just did not even notice that there's wolves around the periphery of them walking down the the trail and that there's a mountain lion on a rock right up above them you think they would see the motion or something but they don't and that's really creepy that is it's really messed up and then the worst of it is just when that sinks in you see what is either a brown bear or a fucking grizzly that was below where the mountain lion was in the bushes that's been watching them the entire time too he's just chilling out and he's completely hidden <laughs> yeah pretty much and i'm thinking to myself oh yeah baby this all these animals together it's time for some serious fucking crunch and munch but the film makes you wait for it they just keep oh, ratcheting make, up the tension dude they do they make you work for this all film long yeah and the thing is like it doesn't let up like the whole time you're waiting for it to happen but at the same time you get to see all these animals on the periphery do you know how much danger these people are in and how clueless they are? At the same time, you feel for them because they're other human beings, but you also hate them, so you want to watch them die. <laughs> There's t- only two or three I feel for. 
I would say there's about four or five for me, give or take. And maybe like they have a hierarchy. So like the fifth one, I'm kind of okay with them dying. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 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 Maybe yeah, uh, more of a hierarchy one, but yeah. yeah, still. Yeah. There's at least half of the people that are in this camp that could easily fucking die and I will cheer. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't care. All right. So then we see the injured woman and her husband. They're hiking their way to near the food drop area, but they're trying to head past the food drop area to actually make it up to where the ranger station is so they can call for help. They actually notice that there is a tree full of birds of prey. There's both buzzards and hawks and various other types of birds. Very reminiscent of Alfred Hitchcock where they're all in the tree, just all surrounding them and all chilling out. And it's at this point that someone finally gets scared and actually notices that animals are acting extremely strange, but it's a little too late because the bird starts surrounding them. They cut from this to a majestic waterfall as the birds are still following the very terrified couple. The wife is justifiably panicked as her husband attempts to get her to keep moving. She breaks down, ends up having a bit of a PTSD moment after... A paperclips moment. This is more PTSD induced, but yeah, she does start screaming at him and telling him to get his hands away from her and everything like that. And I think what it was is she's having a moment where she's reliving the animal attack and having him get that close to her and grabbing at her and have his face up at her and everything like that is causing that PTSD sort of flashback from the animal attack. At least that's what it seems like to me. And yeah, you're probably right. It's very clear that she needs plenty of time to mentally heal from what has happened to her more so than physically. But doesn't have that kind of time. <laughs> and actually, that was my next note, but she has no time left for that. <laughs> oh. And that's when we see her fully lash out at her husband and start screaming at him to leave her alone and just get away from her. It's not that she's that angry at him or that he's doing anything that's all completely wrong. It's just that his tactic of trying to basically shake her out of it and tell her to get moving has basically triggered this flashback and has made her lash out at him. He tells her that she has to get up and move before the birds eat her eyes out, which is very fitting, actually, if you think about it. <laughs> and yeah, then right? in his rage, he completely abandons her. And then a minute he walks away and she's by herself and panicking. The birds immediately begin to brutalize her. Holy shit, this is is crazy. Oh my god, it is fucking hardcore. She gets swarmed by buzzards and hawks and all sorts of stuff like that, and it's like they're throwing these birds at her, or the birds are tied to her as she's flailing around. It looks like it's not safe for her. It looks like it's not safe for the birds. It just looks like everybody's getting hurt the way that they shot this. It ain't this. safe for nobody. He returns to try and help her as the bird somehow got her slid off the side of the cliff face that they were walking on and the rocks that she was on, and she's barely holding on by her hands as the birds are pecking away. They don't even seem to care about their own safety. The birds are just bent on destroying this poor woman. They peck at his hands, they peck at her hands, and they make it to where he can't grab a hold of her, and then she slides down off the sides of the rock and plummets to the rocks in the valley below and her death. All the while being attacked by two birds the whole time as she's screaming Bye. and falling to her death. <laughs> That's insane. It was such a crazy fucking sequence, and it was worth the wait to see this. Yeah. Her husband ends up screaming her name, just justifiably because he just watched his wife die. We then see a cut that we show her corpse sitting on the edge of the rocks with the two birds that have died as well. And then they cut from this to Steve the guide tries to keep his hikers moving and motivated as the kid tries to get his mother to hear the latest broadcast once again. It's staticky and it's hard to come through, so the mother grabs at it because she knows what's best. The two tussle over the radio, which is immediately then butterfingered out into the side of the river that they're walking along and into a pool of water. Awesome job, lady. You fuck up everything. Fuck. Jesus Christ, just die. <laughs> Due to my frustration and it being expository to 
dialogue that actually leads to our next mini clip. <laughs> Damn it, Mom. John, never mind that. What did the man say? They were talking about ozone radiation and everybody's getting out of the high altitudes. John, look, was it a, a program or, or a play or what? No, it was a reporter like, on a news broadcast or something. It was all broken up. It didn't work. Ah, uh, great. Maybe we can uh, dry the connections. Hey, hot shot, we're out of food. I know. Well, where's that food that's supposed to be around here? It's up ahead. You say. That's right. I say. You hear that? Hotshot says there's food up ahead. That's if he's reading his map right. <laughs> well, what the hell? Let's get going. I'm hungry. Okay, Mr. Jensen, get your ass in gear and let's go. Hotshot's losing his cool. It's at this point that I think as a viewer, you should be realizing that the humans are also being affected by whatever this ozone radiation problem is causing for human beings. You actually that or Leslie Nielsen's character of Paul Jensen's just a piece of human garbage. Well, yes. And I also think that he is susceptible to the radiation, but I don't think it's just him. I think some of the other people are as well. I think they're just making it far enough that they're going to be okay. The further down the mountain that they're going, the further down the elevation that they're heading, the less and less it's affecting them. But I think the ones that are the most susceptible, it's affecting them more and more, even though they're heading down the radiation because they're out in the sun more than what they're used to is affecting them. And I think Leslie Nielsen's character is clearly one of them. Yeah, it's definitely making each of them act differently and far more aggressive than they normally would, including Steve. He seems like he's got more and more of a short temper as time's going on. But that could just be the situation and Jensen being a complete fucking douche, making him want to hit him. Yeah, pretty much. We then I want to fucking hit Denson. I want to punch his game his fucking face in. Which is horrible because we love Leslie Nielsen and we don't want to actually yeah. harm him. <laughs> I don't want to harm Leslie Nielsen. I love Leslie Nielsen. But I hate Paul Jensen. <laughs> I fucking hate Paul Jensen with a burning passion. I hate Paul Jensen. He represents everything that we dislike in a human being and that's what got almost as bad as fucking Jerry. <laughs> you, you paint this guy fucking orange and he's the president. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He is. Get it on. Get on. All right. So after this, we see more shots of bears and cougars, various birds of prey, the hawks, and uh, once again, buzzards. And we see that the husband who was sent off to find help ends up falling face first into a stream to drink some water because he's exhausted and completely out of energy. And as he does this, he notices a little girl after a doll floats up to him and nearly hits him in the head when he's laying there in the water drinking straight out of the stream. By the way, folks, really bad idea. Iodine tablets and some kind of container for the water don't just drink out of a stream. Horrible idea. Yeah, yeah, that shit will fuck you up. He ends up wandering on over to the little girl and we see that not only is she the little girl from Airplane who takes her coffee black like her men. Did you recognize her? I did not. I'm impressed. Yeah. Not only is she that little girl, but she is also extremely disheveled and dirty, so this seems like she's already been through the ringer with the animals and come out surviving. Almost like Newt in Alien kind of. Yeah, right? He tries to talk to the little girl. She is completely unresponsive and looks as though she is suffering from some type of trauma and is checked out. He tries to give her food, which is immediately snatched by a hawk from his hand like a fucking ninja, which was amazing. That was so cool how they did that. It really was. The girl screams as the man is knocked to the ground by the fucking hawk. He gets back up, grabs the girl, kind of picks her up, and then carries her off away from this, trying to get her to safety. They dissolve from that shot to the sun, and then we dissolve from that 
that to the hikers. It's sort of like a little cross dissolve between the two. And it looks like they have made it to that food drop. And most of them dart over to the food containers like maniacs because they are completely hungry and starving. But it appears that the boxes have been ravaged by animals or something that leads to, once again, some more expository dialogue. So that is our next clip. How about it, Buckner? We got our asses in gear. Is this what you call a food supply? Just calm down, Mr. Jensen. Just calm down. Buckner, I'm hungry. Don't worry, Johnny. We'll find something. It's just terrific. Animals biting people and no food. What do you suggest we do now, Hotshot? One thing for sure. A lot of well-fed animals running around. Do you know, this ozone thing has got something to do with it. I, I don't know what it is, but I feel it. Like what? Like an overworked imagination, which we don't need right no, now. No, 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 no. It's not my imagination. Whatever it is, it's not my imagination. Look, it's like... Like I just said, great, there's no food. And mighty animal spirits are stalking the land. Now, what the hell are we going to do? In the first place, nothing's going to happen. Not as long as we stay together. Now, Frank and Mandy, they ought to get down to that ranger station sometime today. Ought to be help up here. I first like the latest. Well, that's fine, but what do we do? I mean, do we stay here and move on? What? That chopper doesn't show we move on. All right. There's one thing. Now, we got to act like we got no one but ourselves. Get us down off this mountain. Now, hold on just a minute, Hotshot. Now, I think it's a big mistake for us to go wandering away from here. Yeah, and maybe it just lessens the chances of us getting picked up. Absolutely. We go out there and get stuck in the middle of nowhere. And you haven't been right so far, Hotshot. Huh. Mighty advertising executives speak with empty head. We've been stuck in the middle of nowhere ever since those copters dropped us off. Listen, Kemosabe, those copters brought this food here. They know where this place is. It's a point in his goddamn map. Hey, wait a minute. So this is not in the middle of nowhere. I think the thing we ought to do is just to sit tight, find whatever food we can around here. Smart boy. All right, the debate's over. Ca hold on now. Wait. Wait a minute. I mean, this is important. Important enough for us all to take a vote on it. Let's take one. The way I see it is we can all just stay here and we can defend ourselves. Now, can't we, Hotshot? I said, can't we, Hotshot? Don't call me Hotshot. I'll call you any damn thing I like. Your batting average is pretty bad. The radio says the high country's been evacuated. Now, I'm with Steve. We move fast and we get down. And I'm with Steve. Mr. Buckner, as far as I'm concerned, you're still calling the shots here. Yeah, me too. We're going to make camp here tonight. First thing in the morning, we're going to gather as much food as we can. Then we're going to head down the valley. Now that's it. Let's make camp. Okay, so once again, like our orange-skinned president, he nicknames people in a way to try and belittle them. He's calling Steve Hotshot constantly. He calls Mr. Santee fucking Kimosabi all the time to belittle him. He's trying to how, throw his how, weight around. How that guy hasn't been drowned someplace is amazing. You talking about Paul Jensen? Yeah. You have to be very careful here. We're referring to Paul Jensen when you say that. Yeah. We're referring, we are referring to Paul Jensen, not to Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> or, 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 or the other guy. You're yeah. right. Paul Jensen is who right. I'm talking about. But you totally see the tactics that he used when campaigning and when he's dealing with people and how he tries to get the upper hand to make himself look better by belittling everybody else. It's all here in the way that Leslie Nielsen's character, Paul Jensen, is acting towards everybody. And it, it yeah. really rang true to me here watching it now. Before, he was just some blowhard asshole who thinks he knows everything and just gets crazier the more the sun's rays start to affect him. But like watching it now, I'm like, holy shit, maybe there is something to this whole like solar rays thing. Maybe the suntan booth or spake spray tan will do it to you too. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Right? Deeps into the skin. It's to the brain. <laughs> All right. So after this, they cut away to the town once again as the sheriff gets a late night call. The army is apparently in town. This once again is more expository dialogue. And let's face it, I'm fucking lazy. So that's our next mini clip. Fucking A. 
Uh, Broadway Joe ain't here, but old man Tucker's available. Jeez, you sleep sound. That's beginning to think they got you. Hey, Bird, is that you? What's up? I got the army here. It's really hit the fan on this ozone business. Tucker, animals going crazy everywhere. What? It's going on everywhere above 5,000 feet. We gotta clear everybody out. The campers, the cabins, the damn town. Uh, well, when? We're gonna start with the town right now, tonight. Now? Hell, it's after midnight. You can't drag people out like that. You scare them half to death. Tucker, this is martial law. You get Rena down to the city and you get your tail here now. Uh, okay. Okay. All right. So, martial law, it's serious. Now the government's getting involved. But the government is bad. That's what my daddy said. <laughs> after this, we actually see the sheriff kind of walking around his house and there's some various noises of what sounds like animals moving around and scurrying and stuff like that. At one point, we hear a sound of what I thought was like a shitload of fucking rattlesnakes rattling their tails around. And it seems to be coming from a room that's like just opposite him. There's a doorway right there. And he decides, you know what? That didn't sound right. So I'm just going to go right through that door and, and head into that room and see what happens. So the sheriff just goes in and does that like a fucking idiot. Yeah, right. He walks in and it looks like it is a kitchen that he's walking into. He full on just gets inside the kitchen when he looks around and sees nothing. Zoe opens up the fridge and grabs something that's wrapped up in foil on a plate, like a snack. It looked like it might have been a ham or like part of a turkey or something. It's some type of meat. I, I couldn't tell what though. Yeah, I something. Yeah, I think it was. It, I think you're right. It's a turkey. He ends up uncovering that meat. He turns around to grab what I think is a bag of bread, but I think he was grabbing a knife to to possibly be doing some carving of the turkey or whatever meat it was. He's, he's going to make a turkey sandwich. Yeah, or ham sandwich or whatever this meat was. He's going to make something out of it. And when he turns around to grab the fixings to be able to make this sandwich, he hears a little scurrying and a bunch of different noises. And when he turns back, that meat is covered in these huge fucking rats. He obviously is disgusted by this as any human being would be. So he throws that giant loaf of bread at them. And there were some big slices of bread. This guy wasn't fucking around with the sandwich he was about to make. No, he was, he was going to make a mega sandwich, but not anymore. Not unless he wants a rat sandwich. These rats also give zero fucks about being pelted by this gigantic loaf of bread. So he then grabs a knife and then he starts at the rats, but then the rats start doing this leaping attack at him, which was pretty horrifying because rats will actually do that if they feel threatened they will take a chance yeah, and leap at you <laughs> and they can jump really far and really high that's that was pretty realistic and pretty horrifying to see them do that that scared the shit out of me one of them ends up latching onto his face and i'm pretty sure is biting the hell out of it and clawing the shit out of it he ends up having to actually rip the poor fucker right off of his face and then he holds it in his hand and just does a chopping shot with a knife at it i'm pretty sure he chopped it in half or cut it open or did something really aggressive and violent with it and then he walks out outside and out of the porch that's all screened in to toss the carcass outside to be confronted by that evil fucking snarling dog from earlier. It's clearly followed him home because it has not let go that it wants a piece of him. I know, man. This fucking dog. It's growling and approaching him. He yells at it. He tries to run it off. He tries to scare it. He actually does what you're supposed to do to seem more intimidating to an animal. But then he ends up running inside and shutting the door behind him. He darts upstairs to try and wake up his wife and to also get her out because obvious they're not fucking around animals are going crazy they cut away from this and we see the town being evacuated this was actually pretty horrifying you see a 
group of people walking, holding on to suitcases or whatever pieces of their life they were able to pack away to evacuate. And they're walking in tandem with cars that are also loaded with stuff, including a big old fucking box truck that looked like it was packed with everything inside the house. And all these people are being ushered along by the military. This is the part that really resonated with me where I'm like, this is horrifying to see these people being forcibly evacuated like this. Well, because it's real. The danger's real. We then see the wife driving the sheriff in alongside of this. She pulls off to the side to drop him off. And there is a very tender moment between the two of them as she's being sent down the mountain without him. And she says that she does not want to go alone without him. But the sheriff has to stay to help with the evacuation and do his duty. He tells her to get to a town, get to a motel, get checked in and get comfortable. And he'll be along with her in no time flat. And it's actually a really lovely and touching moment between the two of them as an older couple where you actually see this tender moment where they kiss goodbye and they still love each other. And it was really great because most older couples in movies are played as this bickering couple that doesn't really give a fuck about each other anymore. And these two clearly yeah. are still very much in love. And that was really nice. That was nice. The sheriff walks into his office and he gets updated from the military. And yes, once again, that is going to be yet another clip. All right, gentlemen, you've all been assigned numbers. numbers? Wait number? just a minute. When your through. number is called, please proceed to the vehicle in an orderly fashion. Excuse me. Attempt to avert panic. Is he talking about the buses? Okay, you all have your numbers, and I don't expect to have any trouble from you. We have enough fright. What in the world happened to you? Get them on the bus and down Damn rats. Well, hey, listen, Tucker. Crack of dawn, we hit those mountains and pull everybody out of there. And I got that Buckner group up in the high peaks. Uh, I had a feeling something bad was going to happen. I just knew it. You got some more torches? Huh, will these be enough? Well, they ought to be. Do you think they'll help? Oh, sure. All animals are afraid of fire. What time do you have? Um, we have 35 minutes left. I feel like every animal out there is watching us. Me too. What I don't understand is why. Hey, I wish I knew. How did they get those food containers open? Simple. Engineering skill learned from evolutionary adaptation. Roy Moore has cancer, doesn't he? Gee, I don't know, Terry. I think so. Yeah, and all the geniuses in my field said he just played one season too many. Oh, what a shame. I mean, a young man like that, huh? Terrible waste. You know, the book I read said something about scientists being cold and calculating. I read that book, too. I didn't believe it either. Huh, looks like the professor's making a move or two there, huh? Hmm, the professor too? <laughs> After this, we get a little bit of a stalker vision camera panning its way through the campsite. That was pretty cool. It Instead of like a slasher vision, it's actually at animal level, so you're not sure who's following around and why the people aren't noticing it, but it moves through the camp and you kind of can tell that it's looking at people and trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. And at this point, all of the hikers are completely asleep. Only one person was supposed to stay awake and be on watch guess who that was who the asshole yep it's jensen jensen fucks up but he won't take responsibility for it later but we're not there just yet we then hear a hawk call out in the wilderness which is almost like to summon say okay attack now or something like that and then mr santi is immediately attacked by a cougar and not the good kind of cougar that you can get attacked by the more violent and (laughs) will eat you alive in a bad way kind of cougar attack is what's happening the bad touch bad touch then even more cougars 
begin to attack the camp. Once again, the bad kind of cougars, as in mountain lions that will attack you and kill you and eat you. As the camp tries to defend themselves with the torches that the professor had gathered together, Mr. Santee and Steve Buckner are getting the worst of this attack because the film needs to ratchet up the tension and make you think that the two men that know what they're doing in the wild are about to die so that you can up the stakes of the greenhorns and how are they going to get off the mountain without them. Exactly. But miraculously, because they have a little bit of plot armor to them and because, let's face it, they're one and two of the people that you want to survive. You like Steve, you like Mr. Santee, you don't want them to yep. die. No, no, these are two of the people I want to have to live. In the hierarchy right now, they're number one and number two, and they switch spots depending upon what scene I like them on more. And the other one, for me, the third is the kid, only because it's not his fault his parents suck. Uh, The kid annoys me with some of the choices that he makes, some of the fucking rocks that he's tossing. So I would put him at, like, number six, where he's, like, not in my top five, but, like, I'm okay with him dying, but I'm also not really going to be that angry if he lives. (laughs) (laughs) But luckily for the Greenhorns, and miraculously, mostly Steve and Mr. Santi are unharmed by the attack. They're a little torn up and they're a little bitten up, but with mountain lions with giant claws, you think they'd be more fucked than what they are, but somehow they come out miraculously mostly unscathed. Plot armor? Yeah. <laughs> it must be, because how does that happen? Yeah. So the professor points out that cats are not supposed to attack in groups like this, particularly cougars or mountain lions, which makes sense when a cougar's on the hunt for a young man. I mean, uh, when a mountain lion's looking for food. They don't want to have to share it. <laughs> One of those Freudian slips? Yes, I think it might have something to do with some of the mother issues that are going on in this podcast. <laughs> But it's one of the things that Professor points out that these mountain lions are not normally known to attack in groups, and this is very peculiar. And then Leslie Nielsen's character of Jensen points out that they must not have enough fires, that they need more fires around the camp to protect them. And this this obviously panics the rest of the group a lot as they each take a turn accosting Steve and getting up in his face and they're freaking out because, well, why would you feel safe? This was the second animal attack in as many days. And let's face it, it got worse because it was a shitload of cougars this time, not just one wolf. They're really looking for Steve about the promise of the helicopters. They're raking them over the coals about the lack of weapons and fires. All of this stuff leads to Buckner losing his cool and our next mini clip. Yeah, how can we defend ourselves without weapons, Buckner? Enough! All the screaming and yelling isn't going to help any of them. It's going to be dawn in about 30 minutes. Then we'll go get about gathering food. Just relax. That part where Buckner loses his cool and yells at everybody, that is the most goddamn manly Christopher George has ever seen to me. And holy (laughs) shit. (laughs) I was like, whoa, Christopher George is a fucking badass. That enough, the way he screamed that and the way that he had that seething rage beneath the surface when he's trying to talk to them calmly after yelling, where he was like, yeah, you could see it in his eyes. He's like, fuck all you all. I'm going to leave you here to die. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All right. So after this, the movie then checks back in with the widower hiker that is with the little girl who's trying to protect her because we had forgotten about him so we need to see what's going on with him. Yeah, right. He needed to check in with everybody. Right. The little girl is sitting at the fire just staring blankly and she's not sleeping at all. All she's doing is probably dreaming about black coffee and black men because she's the little girl from Airplane. Yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) Meanwhile, the widower is fast asleep because he has this brave little girl to protect him (laughs) and keep watch. (laughs) This made me laugh 
laugh. It should be the opposite. The little girl should be sleeping and he should be trying to stay awake to protect her. But that little role reversal was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was cool. And then they dissolve from that to the whiner Hollywood lady and the reporter who are chatting about the reaction that the Hollywood lady's skin is having to the sun, pointing out that she may be susceptible to this radiation and might be suffering from it a little bit because she's burning worse than she ever has. And then the lady says, well, maybe you're not used to the sun. And she's like, well, why wouldn't I be used to it in California? But I think she points out the elevation or something like that. I didn't really pay too close attention to it. And then we see the boy and the other young woman playing about in the river. It looked like they were maybe trying to fish, but they were mostly just goofing off together. And then we see that all of the men and pretty much everybody else in the camp seems to be trying to do hand fishing where they reach in and grab the fish right out of the stream. That was kind of cool to see where these guys are trying to do this because it's very one with nature. You don't have any other way to get them and you're just going to grab them and toss them up on the bank. And also because they're hungry as shit. Right. And it gives them a little bit of hope. You see everybody kind of cheerful and having a good time. They're forgetting the fact that they've been severely brutalized by animals two nights in a row, you know, and they're they're just trying to survive. They're going to get some food and they have some hope. It's, That's convenient. Yeah, it's a, it's a brief bit of levity that we as the viewer need and then also this group themselves need because at some point they're just going to give up hope and roll over and die so we definitely needed this for the characters and for ourselves in the film to kind of bring us back up a little bit from all the darkness even though we know on the periphery something horrible is going to happen to them because they get a moment of levity and it's going to get much worse here in a moment yeah correct the group does seem to be having a decent time and then they cut away from this to our next clip well we'll pack up all the food we can carry we leave now we can get down in two days i've been thinking after that attack last night i think we should all go up to the ranger tower where frank went can it jensen no you can't you're not the big mocker anymore. I say we go up to the tower. The big what, Mr. Jensen? Big mocker. Boss, professor. Advertising executive. Talk. Now, you were the head of this thing at the start. That's when it was a game. You understand? A simple, safe amusement park game called survival. Make your point. The point is, it's not a game anymore. Should be obvious even to you. Hell, I could take care of us better than Hotshot has done. Use your head. The only way we're going to get out of this is if we stay together. Well, let me tell you something, Hotshot. I use my head all the time. A lot of people use their butts. Now, at 30 miles back down there in the valley, and 15 miles up to the Ranger Tower. Sure, Jensen, 15 miles up to the tower. The radio said evacuate, not go back up. We're going down the valley, Mr. Jensen, and I'd like you to join us. Well, I'm not through talking yet, Hotshot. The name is Steve, Mr. Jensen. Did it ever occur to you if Frank and Mandy hadn't made it that Ranger Station, there'd be a chopper here now? So that's what you think now, huh? Like when you told them to go on, they'd be okay. You don't think that now, huh? There was gonna be food at Devil's Drop. Where's that food now? Huh? I'm going up to the tower. How about you, Denny? Steve, I, I think he's right. Damn right, I'm right. How about you, pretty lady? I think you're crazy. All right, folks. Helicopter up at the Ranger Tower tonight. Back in town. Warm food. Warm bed. Who's going to join me? No, I think I think that's a very good idea. I think it's a terrible idea. Hey, come on. I think Mr. Jensen makes sense. No, let's stay with Steve. Come on. Let's go. Sweetheart, you stay with Hotshot here, and you'll end up being bear bait. I'll take the stick this time, Kimasabi. Leave your packs if you want to. We leave now. We'll be there by nightfall. John, come on. We're going. John, will you come? Excuse me. Will you come when I call you? Come on, pick up the pack. Let's go. We'll move. Oh, sorry. Go, go already. Oh, saying, my friend, you can't save fools from themselves. You can't drag them with me, damn it. Okay, Pathfinder, lead the way. 
Head on down that way, football star. Okay, so here we see the dividing line of people you want to live and then the people you want to die. <laughs> Kinda. Except for me, the kid went with a bunch of people who I wanted to die. Well, my dividing line was the people who knew that going with Paul Jensen slash Leslie Nielsen's character was certain death and stupid, which was the young and woman. The, and there's two of them. The, the, the young, younger woman and the kid. kid. Either one of them want to go. Right. And then everybody else that ends up sticking with Steve, I want to live for sure. But there's a hierarchy of people where I'm okay with with, say, the football guy and the professor I don't really care too much about. So those two are like at the lower part of the rung of that five. And then of the other group, the only two that I kind of want to live is like the kid and the the younger woman that goes with them. But really the hierarchy is I want the younger woman to live and the kid I really don't care that much about. He's just kind of like a icing on the cake kind of bonus. Like if he lives, whatever. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like I said, he annoys me because, he, well, he's a fucking kid, but everybody else pretty much can die. Like Leslie Nielsen's character, the one guy who drags his poor girlfriend off because he thinks this well, is what's best. Paul Paul Jensen's like number one can die. Yeah. And how satisfying was it to watch fucking Steve punch out Jensen and put him on oh his Oh my ass. God, it was so great. <laughs> I'm torn because I don't want to see Leslie Nielsen get hurt, but I loved it because I hate Paul Jensen so much I want to see him knocked on his ass. Right. All right, so Paul Jensen, the greenhorn blowhard, ends up dragging people with him on this horrible, horrible idea. The plus side is that we talked about this already. It separates the people from a group that you pretty much want everyone to die to a group that you pretty much want everybody to live. We kind of decided our dividing lines there. And yeah. then they each go their separate ways as more unlikely animal groups are shown. We have a bear with a cougar and some wolves. This was really cool. And I have no idea how they did this, where they're all traveling together, where you see like a bear cross the frame or like a wolf cross the frame. And then immediately after that, like a cougar comes around the rock. I don't know if they did like a time-lapse photography where they kept the camera locked off and then just had the the animals individually fly through or walk through that area and then superimpose it where each time they were one right after the other or how they did it but that was incredible to see them all traveling together like that. I'm sure it has to be something like that, yeah. But it was. It was a great shot scene. I, like I said, I have no idea. That's just speculation. I don't know how they pulled this shot off, but it's incredible. If they actually had a trained bear, trained wolf, trained cougars and everything like that and had the animal people keep them fed enough and ready to go where they all walk through the frame like that in unison that would be fucking amazing i don't know how they would do that but if they did it that way that's even more incredible and unbelievable it's really fucking cool yeah that, i mean that is really awesome now this is how i've divided them now it's the group i want to live versus the group i hope dies <laughs> so that's how they yeah. are in my notes group live now. group die right so they cut from this to the group i want to live hiking off and then we see a cougar in the distance on a higher rock they hear and then actually see bears moving in the distance so they're very aware of the danger we then hear hawks calling out as well as other cougars giving little roars or making noises and things like that. And then we see all of the animals working together. And once again, this is so fucking horrifying to see them all together working like this. It's so unnatural and it just sends your brain going, no, wrong, bad. We all fucked. They cut from this to check in once again with the widower and the little girl. And they are walking upon a very large campsite with a lot of tents and some vehicles and things like that, it looks like. The man thinks that they are obviously saved now because, well, there's people, there has to be. But once they get closer to the campsite, they realize that it's abandoned. And as they walk around the campsite, you kind of see not only is it abandoned, there are signs of a clear struggle that has happened with some of the food being overturned and the way that things are disheveled in the camp. So we know that... Most likely people are dead. 
more than likely people are dead because this looks fucked. And then they cut from this to the truly most horrifying thing in the entire film, a shirtless Leslie Nielsen acting like a complete lunatic. Insanity. He starts going off on these weird diatribes and every piece of dialogue Leslie Nielsen has from here on out is a clip. I had to do it. uh You're not wrong. The shirtless Leslie Nielsen as Paul Jensen is manic at this point. He is completely nuts. It is so clear that the higher up he gets, the crazier he is getting. And then a thunderstorm kicks up as they're walking, and that is leading to our next mini clip. Come on, let's move it. Where are the warm beds and food you promised, Mr. Advertising Executive? You know he would have been better off staying with Buckner. Well, you're not with Hotshot Buckner now. You're with me, Miss Beverly Hills, bitch. Uh. So shut up and keep moving. Get going! You can't touch my You little cockroach! You gonna tell me about survival? Leave my boy alone! You just you shut leave up. my boy alone! Shut up, you little cockroach! Or I'll shove you off the cliff! I'm not sure if him calling the kid a cockroach is like a racial slur or if it's just him referring to him as a lesser being. I couldn't tell. I, th- I, th- I don't think it's a racial slur. I think it's just you're smaller than me, so you're a cockroach. Right. Well, at this point, this is where Paul Jensen full on feels like what I see Trump like when he seems to be freaking out and losing his shit. If he had a way to tweet out his emotions and his anger in about 150 and now 240 characters, this is so our current president that is sitting in the White House and in charge of the nuclear button everybody be very scared yeah pretty much (laughs) i didn't want to think of him this way but it kept popping up and making me flash to these types of things and i just felt horrible inside and it made the film that much more horrifying to me (laughs) they cut from this clip to the group that we want to live they end up finding they end up finding an abandoned mine shaft to use just before the rainstorm kicks off too bad and i think mr santi even says we need to get out of the rain now this is going to be our best bet so they end up hunkering down with shelter to be warm and dry just before the storm kicks in hardcore they cut from that to a massive rain downpour on the just die already group as i have them written in my notes (laughs) as peter jensen aka leslie nielsen's character barks out more macho horseshit orders at everyone and ends up fighting with the whiner beverly hills lady and her son once again first grabbing the kid pretty much by the throat and tossing him to the ground into the mud almost hitting a tree as well as doing this sort of judo flip on the mother who grabbed a hold of his hair and was yanking on it and tossing her into the fucking ground then the younger man who was an idiot and decided to follow him because he was going to make the mountain great again and the kid fell for it (laughs) ends up telling him that it is enough and as soon as he turns his back on Leslie Nielsen's character of Paul, Paul Jensen fucking clobbers him and lays him the fuck out. Now I know I just described all of this stuff but Leslie Nielsen goes on a whole entire fucking diatribe and I told you folks this was a clip so that's our next clip. All right, Jensen enough's enough. What did somebody die so you can take charge? We're not going any further. We need rest. This is good one or your... You lily-livered punk. I'm running this camping trip. I take what I want and I give you what I want to give you. Understand that? Stop it, please. Please. And right now, I want that. Come on, baby. You're gonna have a real man now. Oh, you're crazy. No. Jensen, I'll kill you. 
I take what I want and I'll give you what I want to give you. I'm running uh, I'm running this camping trip right now. Tell me that does not sound like the Cheeto in chief. Uh, you might as well just said, I'm running for president to make America great again. Exactly. And when he points to the young woman and says, and I want that right now, gross and disgusting. And then he also says, I'll show you what a real man is like. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's that kind of toxic macho mentality that fucking destroys humanity, basically. Ugh. Well, with this, he then spears the young man, basically when the guy isn't even ready or looking, he just fucking stabs him like a maniac. After declaring his intention to rape the young woman and actually going after her. Then we see the thunderstorm grows even worse, but the group that we all want to live are all huddled up in the mine shaft opening. They're all nice and warm. They have a great fire going and they're all dry and comfortable because they followed Steve. They listened to the man that knows what he's talking about. They're doing so much better right now. Yeah, life's pretty good for the, the winners here. And because I was so happy to see them so comfortable and such a comparison and we needed to cheer some things up after that horrible sequence of near rape and murder. That's also our next clip. You're thinking about the others, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, so was I. Do you really think Jen's gonna be able to take care of him? I don't know. I've been thinking about the way he was acting. That ozone thing might be going further than just animals. You mean us? Why not? You know, I I spent most of my time reporting about life, not experiencing it. Now it's like that uh, reports about me. And I've wasted so much time Steve, I'm really scared. Hey, come on now, come on. We'll be okay. According to the last broadcast, lower altitude's still safe. How come you know so much? Well, now, that information's part of my course in advanced Woodlord. You ready to sign up? Yes, Professor. The leg's getting worse, isn't it? No, it'll be all right. You want to hear one of my lectures? One of my short ones? No. That's good. It'll take a bite off your leg. You know all living things die. You hear a lot of laughs. And everything evolves in and out. 155 million years ago, there were no animals. Just insects and reptiles, that's all. That's big news, Prof. Hey, I'm just trying to tell you something. I know. I know what you're trying to tell me. You're trying to tell me that I shouldn't give a damn that cancer's eating my bones away. Mr. Moore, he's trying to tell you there is no answer. No fair, no unfair. Just accept. Accept? Accept. Why don't we just kill ourselves and be done with it then? Maybe we will. Maybe we already have. I love the little bit of a philosophical debate that they have going on there at the end when they reveal that the football star is in fact dying of cancer. And that's why yeah. he's limping, his bones are giving out, and he's still doing his best and he's he wants to feel alive. That's why he's probably doing this hike. And that whole thing where he's like, well, maybe we should just kill ourselves and get it over with. And the professor pretty much says that as a species, we probably already did because this is our fault. I love the way he just kind of leaves that trailing off there like that. Yeah. Now, after this clip, Leslie Nielsen's character of Paul Jensen going forward full-on paperclips, crazy nutter, motherfucking maniac yeah, nutcase. He's case. building a fucking fire in the middle of a downpour. That's the nuttiest nut I've ever seen nut. He's also lording over the two remaining women and the small child that is less than half of his size. He gives a full-on let's just say Trump rally speech in our next clip. If you're not satisfied with the arrangements, you can complain to the management. <laughs> Pray. If there's a God left up there to believe in, my father who art in heaven, you made a jackass out of me for years. It's never been you for me. Melville's God, that's a God I believe in. You see what you want, you take it. You take it. And I'm going to do just that. 
that got rapey real fast. Real fast. That went from zero to rape in two seconds. Now, I cut that down a little bit to kind of save some time. I took out some of the dead space and everything. It still went, it still went zero to rape pretty fast. No, it took him zero minutes to just go right into it. Like, he basically was like, I prefer a vengeful, wrathful God. I'm all about the wrath. I'm all about the revenge. You take what you want when you want it. You just do it. Whatever. It doesn't matter. And it was like, holy shit. He just goes yeah, completely right? shit nuts, man. Fucking insane. I felt like that entire thing was just a justification for rape. But then again, I think he was like, whatever. He just was basically declaring that this is what was going to happen, which is why I said it was like a Trump rally speech. <laughs> he ends up grabbing the young woman and declaring that he now owns her. He says several times that he killed a man for her and that she belongs to him and says all of this different stuff that literally makes you want to vomit and you feel awful that you're seeing Leslie Nielsen in this state, even though he is owning this acting moment right here. Yeah, right. He ends up dragging her into this mud and while she is struggling against him and he just basically is acting like she wants it and the more she struggles, the more she's into it, which is really fucking disgusting. The whiner lady from Beverly Hills grabs a giant rock stands over top of him as if she is going to smash his fucking head in. This is where things get really disgusting. Yeah. He declares that she should kill him, but she can't because who will lead her and who will feed her? Because this woman feels like she needs a man to protect her and take care of her, particularly since she doesn't know anything about the wilderness and she put her trust in this man. He knows that she's trapped and she's helpless without him in this particular situation. He is using that against her and goading her and taunting her like a fucking pig. This is the point when I found the circle is complete for the comparison to the asshole in chief in this moment. <laughs> right? Oh my god, it was terrible. <sighs> so, she drops the rock like the coward that she is she could have fucking found a way her son learned enough from Santi that they could have at least attempted something and it'd be better to die with your fucking humanity intact and not allowing this to happen than to allow it to happen and fucking survive and live with the guilt that's just my thought yeah I agree I was so disgusted with the mother I felt she should have died the minute she dropped the rock and didn't try and stop it oh man I thought she should have died well before that but that's just me this is the moment where I feel like the movie missed a step if they don't kill her this is where I was like, she must die at this point. This is the part where she gives up on being a human and therefore must be killed by the animal. Well, she's so she's weak, weak. Leslie Nielsen demands that she go away and take her son with him, referring to him once again as a cockroach. Not sure if that's racist or just because he's tiny and an insect to him. And then we now have a bear that ends up wandering right into the encampment with them where they are at. Right after a fucking lightning strike, the bear stands up and starts roaring. Paul Jensen, being the fucking blowhard asshat that he is stands up and decides that he is going to fight this bear and win. He calls it a fucking bastard and then he goes after it and fights it. Now I know there's some parts in the sequence where it's obviously a man in a bear suit that he's wrestling with but there's also some shots where it's clearly a bear that's got a hold of what looks like actually is Leslie Nielsen where he's doing one of those wrestling bear moments or it's what have you. giving him a bear hug. Yeah. Literally giving him a bear hug. But they're going at this fight where he's trying to attack the bear but the bear is basically crushing him. The bear then takes him to the ground and then the women run off with the young boy John and we hear Leslie Nielsen's character Paul Jensen scream and we assume and hope that he has died good riddance to if bad rubbish. If he ain't rubbish. dead he's gonna be dead. <laughs> if he ain't dead he certainly earned whatever that horrible thing that bear is gonna do to him. Exactly. We then see the whiner lady her son and the young woman slink off into the night after I'm pretty sure they visually verify that the bear just ate the fucking guy. 
die. We then see the following morning, the widower, because the movie needs to check back in with him, and the little girl find a road and some vehicles on the road. The man is almost bitten by a rattler when he leans too close to the truck and notices that the bed of the truck is filled with various snakes, including rattlers. A lot of fucking rattlesnakes in the back of that truck. Oh, yeah. He even kind of points out how unnatural that is that there would be so many of them in just the bed of the truck like that. Uh They then run down the road to try and find another place where they can get help. They stop at the nearest house. There is no answer at the door because we slowly realize this is the town that was evacuated. They just made it back to. Then they move on to the next house. As they go to that door, we see the evil fucking dog from earlier in the movie snarling at them. And as we know from this dog earlier, once he picks a target, he sticks with it. He won't let it be. That's right, man. That dog has a singular mind. Once he finds something, he he sticks to it. That particular dog I found more menacing than a lot of the other animals. He was really horrifying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I told you, man. All throughout this whole thing, this dog's freaked me out. He screams out for help, and the girl starts crying. It's the first time we actually see her break down where she's had enough. It's almost like she's having a flashback to what happened to her to put her in her catatonic state. He decides he's going to calm her down by doing what he did earlier with his wife that worked so well, screaming in her fucking face and shaking the shit out of her like a fucking jackass. <laughs> Although he he breaks out of this. He does try to leave her as he's panicking. She screams no at him, which he then, as Matt said, turns around, comes to his senses. He kneels down and tells her that he will not leave her. He's going to take her with him. He's never going to leave her again. It's going to be fine. And then he leads her further into town. He's looking for his car, basically telling her that once they get to his car, they'll be safe. We then hear a horn blaring out as they walk into the town, which as we know from any post-apocalyptic film, anything having to do with any kind of animal attack or any kind of war or anything having to do with people dying in mass quantities, you hear a horn honking at nonstop pace. You don't go looking at it. You don't go check what it is. No, you run from it. Yeah, you get away from it. That's bad. The man immediately goes and checks the military truck where this ringing horn from the car is coming from. He opens the door. It's the fucking sheriff. He's fucking dead. We don't know how. I'm assuming he has rattler bites on his face from what it looks like because they're different than the rat bites he had earlier. It could be the rattler or it could be maybe like disease from the rats finally took him. Or maybe the fucking dog got a hold of him and he just got up in the truck just enough, you know? But all the military is miraculously gone. (laughs) There's just the sheriff dead. (laughs) That's all we know. So then the widower guy leads the girl to another vehicle, which looked like an old school Bronco too. It was like this powder blue kind of thing. Uh, It's one of those sort of like early sport utility vehicles that was like a modified Jeep that had a hard top basically is what it kind of looked like. Yeah. And as he walks around to the side of that Jeep, he runs smack into that fucking devil dog right into it. It just starts growling at him. He very slowly puts the girl in front of him and leads her away from the evil dog. And then he tries to walk around. He gets to the other side of that powder blue Jeep-like SUV vehicle. And he finds that the car door is open, so he opens the door lifts the little girl and puts her in first like a fucking champ to try and protect her and then climbs in himself, gets the door shut and that dog, the thing that makes it so creepy is it doesn't go after him. It just sits there. It knows he's going to come out. It doesn't go like fucking Cujo where it starts slamming in the door or anything. It's yeah, just smart. It like it knows, hey, you have no food. You have to come out sometime. He's just waiting for it to come out. He just has an idea that eventually something's going to happen or he knows if the car fires up, it's going to run him over if he tries to jump on it or anything. So he's just doing this wait 
latency stalking thing that's really fucking creepy. Really well put together for that idea. Oh, yeah. This particular Jeep won't start, even though the keys were left in it. So he grabs a hammer and tells the girl he has to get to his car and he will only be gone long enough to get the car started and to do that. And then he will come back and get her out of this Jeep and that she just must wait here in the Jeep no matter what and stay put. He jumps out, backs away from the dog, keeping an eye on it, pretty much like a champ, knowing that he needs to keep an eye on the animal and not give it a chance to attack. He's being very cautious. The dog follows him the entire fucking time. He gets to his car and he goes to back into his car. He's preoccupied by the fucking dog who I think knows that this car is loaded with snakes and is basically hurting him to it because it's more fun that way. Because the dog's the fucking devil. <laughs> the car is full of more snakes than the fucking pit and Raiders of the Lost Ark where they fucking find where the Ark is buried with the map. <laughs> right? There's so many fucking snakes in this small little bug. I don't know how they got into the VW. He puts his hand into the car, which is immediately bitten by a snake. And then when he is distracted by the snake bite that happens, he's then immediately attacked by the fucking devil dog. And we are forced to watch the horror and shock on the poor little girl's face as we hear him screaming and begging for help. And the whole time it's being played out on this little girl's face and how horrified and traumatized she is by this. It's it's amazing and dark as fuck and oh, so man, well so done. Fu- and it's so fucked up. And he's one of the guys I actually kind of wanted to live once he started trying to protect this little girl and was like I know. Oh, and he so discreet. Help me. Oh, oh my god. It's so fucked up. It's such a fucking horrific death. And then they cross dissolve from this, leaving you with this fucking shit on your conscience about watching that. Yeah. Then we get to see the group that we want to live and how they're actually doing pretty well. They're within miles of a logging camp that they think they will be safe at that they can get a good night's rest because they'll at least have four walls and everything like that that they can fortify. They say they're within about eight miles of that logging camp and that's when they're going to stop to rest. Their water has just run out and this is the point where the football guy becomes one of the people that you want to die because like a jackass he chucks it off the side of the mountain. Dude, you could always fill that back up. I know, right? You find a stream, you have some iodine tablets, it's like a fucking person that would be out in the wilderness to survive. You have more water. <laughs> <laughs> fucking idiot that pissed oh, me yeah. off I was like alright you you don't get to live now dude the professor and the football guy have a bit of a chat about not giving up and how they need to keep going on and even though they're possibly marching to their death they have to at least try and fight and that pretty much prompts that the rest time is over and then dissolve from this to a crashed helicopter because fuck any hope for any of these people the pickup spot that they were heading to there was a helicopter there it's fucking crashed yeah, nothing good's happening right now. We then see that the kid and his whiner mom and the young woman are happy just to be here at the chopper, even though it's crashed, because at least they know someone had tried to come here. That's when the kid, John, runs up to the chopper and climbs inside, and, you know, he's all excited. He wants to see what's going on in there. And then we see wolves eating a human being, which we assume is probably a person that either survived the crash or might have been the helicopter pilot that was looking to call in for assistance or something like that but it turns out it's actually not wolves it's a pack of fucking domesticated dogs that's how Jesus. that's how fucked you are in this mountain people yeah all of these people's pets all of these dogs have congregated on the mountain and are hunting like maniacs the mom and the young woman run for the fucking helicopter to try and get in there before the dogs can attack them the mom gets inside but the young woman does not make it as if she hasn't gone through enough and been brutalized by fucking right? monsters her fucking leg is getting bit all this shit by one of these fucking 
fucking dogs before she can actually be barely pulled in before any serious damage is happening. And then the kid, John, this is where he starts to become one of the people you want to survive because he hops to and starts closing all the doors and latching up the helicopter and trying to protect it and keep it from any of the dogs right. from getting in that way. He's basically taking charge and like protecting these people while the, everybody... Considering his mother's useless. Well, they're panicking, so I don't really blame them at this point. But yeah, she was useless earlier. And like I said, I still haven't forgiven her for just letting that woman being attacked. That choice that she made, she clearly deserved what any death would have happened to her. But the other woman, I kind of want to be protected because I feel like she's been through enough. I wanted her and John right. to survive. Yeah. After he locks that and latches it up and all the dogs start acting like Cujo and going after it, these dogs are completely lost their shit. They're not cunning. They're not planning. They're hurling themselves at this fucking thing to try and get into the helicopter. They cut from that to the group that we definitely want to survive, making it to the logging camp. And they are glad to have a place to rest. They start making jokes about it being a civilized area. At one point, the professor grabs a beer and says something about, I wish that this was full and cold. And I'm kind of thinking, yeah. yeah, at this point, who wouldn't want a cold beer after everything you guys have been through? You know what? Maybe put down the beer and just, you know, grab a goddamn whiskey or something. <laughs> Move to the harder stuff like the moonshine that's clearly somewhere in that logging camp. Yeah, right. They are looking for a better cabin because most of the windows are busted out. There's no glass and it's completely open, which isn't going to be no protection. Yeah, not going to do much to protect you from an animal. And so when they walk out of this main first cabin that they're in, a piece of the cabin falls down and we see a German shepherd just happens to be on top of this fucking cabin. They move ever so slightly and then more appear all of a sudden. And then out of nowhere, a huge pack of fucking dogs, most of them German shepherds, come after the group. So they dart off for a fucking cabin, dropping their packs and most of their gear to try and gain a little bit of speed. There seems to be like an endless horde of dogs that just continue coming out of the forest. This is dog country. This is insane how many fucking dogs. It's like kennels worth of fucking German shepherds broke loose. Like somewhere on the mountain, there was a guy that was like a breeder of German shepherds and these are all of his dogs. They killed her or him and got loose and they're now hunting on the mountain, you know? Right. But anyway, this horde of dogs, which like I said, seems like an endless amount of dogs come after them. They jump into the most fortified cabin they can. They use various discarded boards to try and block up open windows and then they use the shutters and try to hold those closed. But at some point, we actually see the walls of the cabin themselves, the actual boards, are being chewed away or pushed aside as the dogs are starting to break in that way. This attack is fucking intense, man. This is fucking scary as shit. Oh, it is, man. It's a, it's finally the zenith of what this movie was supposed to be. The dogs seem to give up for a moment as the group attempts to see what is happening. They're thinking, oh, it must be all right now because everything is quiet. There's no way that the dogs would go off regrouping group and wait for them to come out because they can't get into them. That wouldn't happen, right? Right? Not at all. At one point, Harry the reporter even says, but they're dogs. They're just dogs. Which each and every one of us is going... They're still animals. They still have this fucking innate desire in them to hunt and kill. Yeah, right. Steve decides that they must be gone. The dogs have to have taken off and that the humans themselves should split before the dogs decide to come back. This is the one thing that Steve does that is pretty stupid, but I think at this point he's probably dehydrated, exhausted, and clearly not making good decisions. Yeah, no one would be at this point. No, I don't really blame him for this choice because he's clearly at his wit's end. He steps out and a dog jumps through the 
fucking glass window that was left and attacks the professor. And then another dog jumps on Steve, knocks him flat to the ground, leaving the door wide open. And then an onslaught of fucking dogs come in and attack Steve and everybody else more pile in to attack all of them. But for some reason, the reporter Terry is left alone, huddled in the corner and the dogs never come anywhere near her. Nope. They got, well, she stays still. It could be like they're going with movement. I was thinking either that or perhaps Linda Day George in her contract said I will absolutely not wrestle with the dogs. This scene though where the men are fighting with the dogs, particularly the football star, there's a scene where he's like holding onto a dog that's supposed to be jumped up on him and attacking him and it honestly looks like the dog's tail is wagging and is licking his face and he's just rocking it back and forth saying, who's a good boy to him? Yeah, right. <laughs> but like I, I totally was like, whatever, it doesn't matter. This is fucking awesome. There's like a lot of scenes in here here where it looks like the guys are just kind of you know tossing the dogs around like for fun and play and then they're putting in the sound effects of the attack and making it look like the dogs are attacking them right but, those dogs are probably having the time of their life or something i know i was like dude i would totally love to just pick up the dog and like move it around like that and play around <laughs> yeah. with it you know like you think that this would be the most fun thing to shoot for them you know oh, of course yeah but anyway she's completely left alone for the entire time during this fight mr santi shouts something about they should get to the water and then they end up running out and I think Steve at some point ends up fighting his way free and has Mr. Santi take uh, reporter Terry away and like drag her out while they're fighting off the dogs which he does and the dogs don't seem to pursue them they're more preoccupied with getting everybody that they have cornered in the cabin and at some point Steve ends up breaking free and getting loose from the dogs as well but the football star and the professor they're left fighting the dogs completely alone and when you look they're down to the ground and there's several dogs around them it's pretty obvious that if Steve goes in there to try and help them, he's just going to get killed. And I think this is the first and most difficult choice that Steve had to make. He turns around and hightails it and he leaves them there because he knows that there's no hope. Yeah, exactly. Mr. Santee tells Terry that they need to get into the water. The reporter, unfortunately, Terry, cannot swim, so they end up breaking the dock loose whenever Steve gets there, but the dogs immediately catch up, and even still, dogs can fucking swim, so I don't see how getting on a raft is going to keep the dogs from really attacking them. It's called the doggy paddle for a reason. Right. (laughs) Dogs know how to swim all almost inherently naturally. Like you throw a dog in the water and they figure it out, even if they've never been in water before. Well, anyway, two of the dogs end up on top of this fucking makeshift raft that they make from the broken away dock. The human beings are holding onto the side of the thing and they're fighting with the dogs and like trying to knock them off the raft while they get up on top. But the two dogs are holding the humans off like crazy. This was another moment where it looked like they were playing with the dogs and the dogs were like fake biting at them, you know? Yeah. And the dogs are tails are wagging the whole time when they're on this raft it looked like they were having a good old time but again this is the best for swimming everything yeah but then again it totally doesn't matter because you get the scenario and it's still pretty scary and it's pretty fucking awesome the way that they did this yep they dissolve from that to a silent forest shots where they kind of move through the forest and it's completely silent with a dead dog in the window of the chopper now I don't know if we saw where the dog actually tried to break through in the cut that you had of the film I don't ever remember actually seeing the dog break through the chopper window at any point you just see it there it looks like it got cut out of the film and never restored yeah but there's a dead dog kind of hanging in the front of the chopper where the kid was through one of the windows and then the kid kind of wakes up his mom and the young woman and they look out over the area where the chopper is and all the dogs that were there trying to get at them have all died for some mysterious reason yeah they're all all the animals are now apparently dying or, or dead now because of this disease yeah whatever has been caused by this and enhanced by the sun the animals that are at this 
altitude that had been affected by it have also started dying because for whatever reason, this ozone thing has corrected itself. And now the virus that was infecting them and was controlling them has died and it's killing the animals that were affected by it as well. After they step outside of the chopper and start looking around and realizing that they've survived and that they have a chance, they are immediately picked up by a chopper that zooms over top of them. And this leads to our final clip. Command base to Unit 3. Situation report, please. Dead animals and looters everywhere. This place looks like World War III hit it. That confirms Sector 2's report. Above 5,000, all animals are dying. Human survivors appear to be immune. Continue mop-up and report survivors immediately. Roger, base. Three clear. Base to Chopper 2. Go ahead, base. Any survivors in your sector? Got three we found in a wrecked chopper. We're bringing them in now. 10-4, check them into State General on touchdown. They're trying to find out why some of the people have immunity. Roger, base. Damn, looters should have known better than to come in here with all these animals. Hell of a price to pay. Thank God this thing didn't go on any longer. There wouldn't be anything. Field division to all units. Environmental Protection Agency report shift in ozone level continues to correct itself. The virus mutation infecting animal and human life is unable to sustain itself as the sun's radiation decreases to normal levels. All altitudes will be completely safe within hey, commander, 24 hours. Looks like something's Eight. moving over there in the sea. The virus deep. is dying. All altitudes will be safe within 24 hours. Unit 3 back to base. Just found a little 6 or 7 year old girl. Near shock, but seems she'll be okay. Further reports indicate that the little girl also approves of black coffee and men. <laughs> Okay, so the little girl that the widower was protecting is actually alive and she's going to be okay. They say something about her being dehydrated and a little bit of shock, but they think she's going to pull through. And then after this, we see Steve, Terry, and Mr. Santee drifting into safety as they kind of reach below a bridge that is loaded with rescue workers. And you see like something happen on the bridge, but there's a ton of people. You hear like fire trucks and other things like that. All they have to do is shout down and then somebody's going to be able to come to their rescue while they're under the bridge. So, you know, they're okay. Steve says, looks like they will be okay. And the reporter Terry says, it's over. They dissolve from this to an eagle flying directly at the camera to give us one last animal attack scare. Dun, dun, dun. And then they roll credits. Okay, so we kind of have already played our hand to show everybody and everybody knows that we thoroughly enjoyed this film. I think I speak for both of us when I say that, right? Oh yeah, I loved it. It's a lot of fucking fun. The first time that I watched it, having Leslie Nielsen go crazy like that and act like a macho asshat was really enjoyable for me because oh yeah, it was over the top, it was ludicrous, and I didn't see the things that I saw different. on it this time around. And it's, yeah, it's different than yeah. you've ever seen before. Now, since we everybody knows that we really enjoyed this film and we talked about all the parts that we really, really loved, the one thing we didn't touch on is favorite death by animal attack in the film so i'll let you do yours first my favorite animal death i gotta say it's the guy when he gets murdered in front of the little girl Ooh. if nothing else than his screaming is just so effective and it makes you feel so bad yeah, it's extremely effective. And, and, and you don't see it. You don't see it. So it's not even like, it's nothing visual. It's the sounds. It is just, it's so, it, it's so fucking just, it's so hard. It's so sad. And the fact that it's played off on the little girl's face like that, and she's traumatized by it, that makes it that much worse. I totally agree with you. I can see where that would be your favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Just psychologically, it's just, it, that one literally took me uh, a, a good little bit to get over. For me, it's a shirtless Leslie Nielsen wrestling a bear and failing that's, miserably in his macho that's number two glory. well see that's the that's thing number two for me our number one and our number two are the same or they're just flip-flopped basically because yeah. my second favorite death is the the guy being 
fucking eaten alive by the dog after being bitten by the snake and all of that being yep. played out on that little girl's face. I mean, that scene is fucking brutal and that's what you want in a really shocking horror film. But yeah, the death with the bear after Leslie Nielsen's basically screaming like, you bastard. And he's like acting like he's going to fucking get all blowhard and take on a bear and win. Like the bear legit bear hugs him to death, <laughs> throws him to the ground and clearly starts eating the fuck out of him. You know? Yeah. And they at least gave Leslie Nielsen's character a chance where it looked like he was doing okay against the bear at first. But then you realize the bear was just basically trying to get like a good angle where it could bite him in half easier or something yeah. before it took him down. I legit love that death and I laugh my ass off every time I picture shirtless Leslie Nielsen getting all macho and going after a bear. I know, right? <laughs> and I really hated his character more and more, particularly because of everything that he reminded me of and what that kind of toxic masculinity represents for me with that macho bullshit. So watching his death happen by his own bravado, basically, was that much more satisfying with me this time around. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really a satisfying death for how much of a prick he is. I'm really sad that I had to loan you the DVD and that I couldn't let you watch the Blu-ray because the, <laughs> the Blu-ray edition of this is cleaned up and looks glorious. I highly recommend if you can get your hands on the Scorpion releasing Blu-ray of Day of the Animals. It is gorgeous and it is worth the money, particularly if you like the film. The high definition transfer is amazing. The Shriek Show DVD that I loaned to you has been out of print for a very long time, so kind of hard to get your hands on this movie through legit ways if you can't get a hold of that Blu-ray. It might be out there on like a streaming site where you can rent it or maybe purchase it that way, although I can't really vouch for the prints or even say how legal those particular purchases may or may not be. <laughs> but yeah, the film is fucking great. That particular transfer is amazing. And even the DVD is great. And it has a lot of great special features too on that Shriek Show DVD, which is why I keep it even though I have the Blu-ray. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about the movie before we move on? No, it was good, fun, a great movie. Yeah, it was a total blast. I completely agree. And it's exactly what we needed after a dark and downer like Cry of a Prostitute from last week. Exactly. All right, folks, we're going to take a, another break here. We will play a promo for a podcast that I am very excited to think that might be returning very soon if what I saw in a Facebook group is correct. And we'll have a little bit of music when we come back. We will do the PSYOP news. Black Anis Horror Podcast. The podcast that will change your life forever. Repetition of the repetition. Is that a word? That is now a word. Intense. Zero whatevers. So insightful that you will question your place in the universe. You just said you wanted to see somebody stab a fish. Mind-blowing. That is not what... That's not... No. Inspiring. It's one of two things all the way through. Either predictable or stupid. Life-changing. This is going to be filled with spoilers. Black Anis Horror Podcast. Exclusively available on the Legion Podcast Network. It's almost like a little advertisement. Yeah, the advert makes it sound so promising. There we go. From the replacement's very first album, man, it is Rattlesnake. 
Nice. Yeah, I really love this album. Sorry, Ma, I forgot to take out the trash. It's one of my favorite all-time punk albums, man. I fucking love every song on this album. (laughs) And it fits for tonight because the song, he just completely repeats that he's a rattlesnake over and over again. And there were plenty of rattlesnakes killing people in this film. So there we go. There you go. You know what I'm ready for, Matt? What's that? Give me some PSYOP news. comes from Darren Wilson. Yay, Darren! And in in news that absolutely, positively will not surprise anyone, Trump, I wouldn't say I'm a feminist. America is a bunch of cunts. Because we elected him, (laughs) goddammit. This comes from The Hill. President Trump said he wouldn't call himself a feminist in a new interview with Piers Morgan. Uh, The British news host tweeted out Trump's quotes uh, from the interview on Saturday night. No, I wouldn't say I'm a feminist. I mean, (laughs) that's why he's not a feminist. <laughs> I think that would be maybe going too far, Trump said in the interview, according to Morgan. Uh, I'm for women. I'm for men. I'm for everyone. Gotta love a girl who can take a punch. Is also what he said. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fall interview with Morgan will air on Sunday. Trump's comments come amid an international conversation about sexual misconduct and behavior towards women. In further news about President Trump, it's micro penis time with humongous balls. That was a nice Freudian slip. Uh, I called the- him President Trump. <laughs> Uh, the, the Me Too and Time's Up movements have been launched into the spotlight as prominent men in entertainment and politics have faced claims of sexual misconduct. Basically, Trump a is also, meat sandwich. Pretty much. Trump <laughs> has also been accused of sexual misconduct by more than a dozen women. Four of his accusers called for Congress to investigate the claims last year, as did dozens of Democratic female lawmakers. I'm going to shove the uh, be, porno magazine down your throat. Is one of the things Trump, that he asked them to do. Of course, Trump has uh, repeatedly denied these claims. Even though we all pretty much know that there's been plenty of smoke and that doesn't happen without fire. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that news is shocking absolutely nobody. Do we have another article that you can grab real quick that might be a little bit more fun? All right. Let's see here. And we're back to dicks. Is there an article about Pretty that? much. <laughs> Pretty much. Here. I just moved around all my clips, so I'm having a hard time finding them all. No, I got to memorize where they are again. <laughs> all right. In other horse sex news. Ooh, you have one for that? <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> um, this comes from Kit Power. Hey, Kit. We got to get him back on the show and not make him stay up till four in the morning this time. <laughs> right? Man gets diarrhea on roller coaster and splashes 14 people. Oh, that's a shitty thing to do. Uh, comes out of Spain. This Man is not the sickness with which I... I am down. Sorry, go ahead. All right. A man was enjoying his vacations at one of the most important museums, buildings, gardens, monuments, and restaurants in Porta Verta, Spain. Uh, he was convinced by his friends to get on the best ride of the park, the ferry land. Uh, the man who knew he was suffering from uh, gastritis accepted, and his nightmare started. You want to do the a first... little ass play? <laughs> I love how that stopped you dead in the tracks. <laughs> <I know. laughs> You were like, it is nightmare began. You want to do a little ass play? <laughs> uh, on the first slope, at a speed of almost 124 miles per hour, the man noticed that his stomach was not doing well. Oh, I have some audio of that exact moment. Do you want to hear it? Uh, yes, please. <laughs> right there. <laughs> you lost your place again? Yes, I did. <laughs> 
blood jizz. Pretty much. All right. On the, all right. He couldn't stop himself and was forced to let it all out. The shit was flying <laughs> all over the place. It splashed 14 people who were sharing the exciting ride. Ooh, is that Many of them threw up because they had shit in their hair and face and clothing. The man faced no charges because this was involuntary. Ooh, is that me getting a metal rod shoved up my rectum? Now imagine all that shit going everywhere and then puke going everywhere and then everything's just terrible. Yeah, because he gets it at the right time if they do like an upside down spin or whatever where he's letting it all go or it goes flying off in the right direction with the spin. That's like, that's a that's a total fucking nightmare of being in an amusement park where you get covered in God knows what kind of fucking bodily fluid by somebody who's ill. Immediately, it just starts a chain reaction of illness and vomit. That's a fucking horror movie right there. Zombie virus spread through a guy shitting himself to death on a fucking oh, roller God. coaster. On a music part ride. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> right? <laughs> Attack of the shit zombies. We, we have it, right? <laughs> right there. Yeah, right there you go. We have a whole new movie. <laughs> Again, here's the audio as the guy first noticed that he's about to have a problem. <laughs> and once again, this whole thing is making me feel nauseous, so this is not the sickness oh. with which I am down. <laughs> oh, that's just gross, dude. <laughs> Man, things that make you go. <laughs> things that make you go. Oh, oh right. Things that make you go shit in your pants on a roller coaster. It always comes back to dick. It sure does. Thank you. And we're back to dicks. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, we are. All right. Well, Matt's normal reaction whenever a guy shits himself on top of a roller coaster going all over Matt and everybody else. Circle jerk. Which nobody else seems to be into. Well, that's because everyone else is prudes. <laughs> Matt will also scream out in that type of scenario. You want to do a little ass play? <laughs> Which is kind so, of a in my response. defense, I'm always usually saying that. So, <laughs> absolutely, everybody responds to you with "You're a loser" <laughs> whenever you say that. <laughs> Where, where, where'd that come from? Oh, it's just some weird fucking clip of somebody saying you're a loser that I grabbed that I've never used until oh, now. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I restructured all of the clips and I moved some things around where the things that I use more often are on the main clipboard that I use for the soundboard for the clips for the show, you know, like when I record from the movies. So now I freed up uh -huh. a whole lot of spaces for more clips to be added. So look for new things to be added as we go. We got plenty more space now. Good times. Yeah. <laughs> all right, folks. So I'm going to take one last break here. We're going to play a promo for another podcast. We're going to have a little bit of music befitting to the day of the animals or when good animals go bad. When we come back, we will close out this fucking show. We let things pile up in the DVR. We add them to our queues. We wait for the DVDs and Blu-rays. We time shift. The Time Shifters podcast. Sci-fi, horror, fantasy, superheroes, comedy, action, film, television, maybe some not-so-current events. Find us on iTunes or at timeshifterspodcast.com.
things that you think should never go together, Mike Patton and the Dillinger Escape Plan. It's like when you mix chocolate and peanut butter, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I don't know what any of that is. <laughs> Mike Patton was the lead singer of Faith No More and has done a bunch of side projects and a bunch of other crazy bands. And the Dillinger Escape Plan, at one point in time, was the most intense fucking grindcore band out there. And they got together at some point and made a record. <laughs> and it's nuts. Nice. This song is called When Good Dogs Do Bad Things. I thought that was pretty fitting. <laughs> it's also the longest song I had that had anything kind of like that to help me close out the show because we're long-winded assholes. Yeah, right. All right, folks. You can find us on the Legion Podcast because we are proud members of the Legion Podcast Network. We're here to stay. We love the place, and we hope that they love us just as much. We are there yeah. available at legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. You can join our Facebook group, Cinema Psyops, where a whole shitload of fucking alternative photography everywhere from our last episode and I've been notified also Henry Silva is still alive and apparently he is coming to get us Matt yes they're all going to come to get us <laughs> particularly Henry Silva who is still alive and it's not going to appreciate what we had to say about his face he's not still alive right no he is he's joking with me. no no he's like 89 and he's alive and kicking all the alarms are going off right now ah shit while he's still alive you can find him on Facebook he is Matt Psyop if you found the plank that says brutal you found the correct man and be grateful you don't see his face he does in fact look like a haggard lon cheney jr from his later career just before he died only with blonde hair <laughs> you can find me on facebook i am court psyops i show you my face because if i have to suffer through it every morning when i'm brushing out my beard so should you <laughs> you can email feedback to matt he's psyopmatt at gmail.com let him know that he's a lazy bastard and he needs to come into the studio because it's less than three feet to the conveyor I belt was, i was in the studio last week every week buddy you have to be in every week you can email feedback Feedback to court, cinemaziopscourt at gmail.com. Let him know how much he needs to get off Matt's case because he knew what he was getting into when he hired the laziest man he's ever met to be on the show. You can twit a couple of tweets to a couple of twats. I'm at court underscore psyop. Matt is at psyop Matt. Send us your photos of all of the beautiful animals that could one day rise up in the day of the animals to come and get us. And while you're at it, also send us photos of beautiful people naked. You can private message them to us or whatever. You know how to find us. You know, just let us see some hot people naked. That's all we're asking. That's it. That's all. I mean, that's not even that much. And while you're out there fighting the animals and the wilderness to try and survive when the zone finally depletes and all the rays make us all go crazy. Kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. Bye.